Yeah, it's probably a Wi-Fi thing. Why a good old Wi-Fi? Oh well, just one more, just one more cost, terrible cost of this COVID nineteen. People dying and you and your voice being slightly yeah, <laughs> distorted. The, that's the worst part of it. Yeah. The distortion. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. It's all people will be talking about on the internet. Yep. They'll be like. I thought President Biden was going to take care of this COVID problems, and look, Ian's voice is all distorted. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. And I'm Ian and before hello, we get too hello, much farther into friend, the show, oh, sorry, hello, hello, I'm sorry, and I stepped all over your line. That's the way it is. No, I've been watching a lot of news, and this is how it goes. I'm we talk sorry. over each other. I'm sorry. I'm thinking, no, 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 I really am. I think we talk over each other now, and we give, no, that was really me purposefully doing it to be a dick, uh, um, to, so that we give people twice as much show. Yes, I just, and I reason listen, I... And try to listen to you, and then... <laughs> The reason I interrupted, the reason I spoke so quickly is because I, I wanted to apologize because your audio is not going to be great through, the, through this part of the show anyway. I'm hoping that there'll be some sort of miraculous improvement in Wi-Fi that will okay. allow your voice to, to properly convert into human language and go over the internet. But at this point... Well, you are, you are popping for me right now. You are giving me the... Is that right? Just doing a little bit of that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, but that just might mean I have what they call a shitty computer. <laughs> well, it might just. Yeah, I don't think I'm popping too much because I'm listening no, on no. my own. Uh, I'm listening on my end, and it just could be a it, bit distorted yeah. coming to you. That's that's a problem with the internet is that it's going to change our voices. But my voice is going directly through this microphone and into my digital recorder. For you, unfortunately, ah. you are going. You are hearing my voice going through the computer and into the Skype, and then coming to you there, where it's getting distorted. And you know, that's the problem for us. So, so okay. yeah. Okay. If it gets really bad, let me know. And again, I will just unplug this microphone, and we'll go with a, a different option. We'll let, we'll see. Uh, okay. Again, apologies to our gentle uh, listeners out there. I I don't think uh, it's so, your so microphone. I don't think it's your microphone. I think it's I think it's just a uh, connection. Very very good. Your neighbors are all downloading something right now. Yeah, that could very well be. It is. Uh, everyone is in. You know, it's it's not a lockdown, obviously, but it's. Uh, you know, that we've been told uh, two weeks of. Come on, settle down. Get just stay in. Stay in. So you know, people are watching stuff, and a lot of people were downloading the Spider-Man game. Good God, of course. So so there's that. Down- you know, that's gonna that's gonna be doing it. Sorry, downloading the what? Spider-Man video game. Oh oh okay. Yeah, it's a Miles Morales uh, Spider-Man video game that uh, comes out tonight, ah, and okay. uh, looks pretty uh, looks pretty sweet. And so it's <laughs> like you got to download that, and then everyone's going to be like da- uh, watching uh, Man- Mandalorian. Oh, so there you go, that as well, and there you go. Now the internet's gone. <laughs> no room for podcasts. So the Mandalorian is t- the new one drops on a Thursday. Uh, at midnight. Oh, I see. So uh, it's Friday I- proper. So as soon as it's midnight, you're Mandalorianing. And you gotta watch it because people are gonna be. Hey, did you see? Uh, uh, it's really Darth Vader, and it's like, ah, oh, damn it! I didn't want to know that. <laughs> okay. Hey, Yoda's, right. uh, Yoda's actually C three PO. Okay, forget it. Spoilers. Ruiners. 
hey, the force is really Catholicism. What? Yeah. <laughs> it really is a force to be reckoned yeah. with. Uh, yeah, if, they really, if they really want it to be dicks, they do. Uh, they just make make Tatooine like it was Earth all along. <laughs> like it was a, a just this was Earth in the oldie days. And it's like, hey, we said it was a long time ago. You said it was far, far away. Well, it was then. It's farther away. The planet was now. It's closer. It's here. Everything does. Things face move. Yeah. And now it's here. So I didn't lie. It was Earth all the, all along. <laughs> yeah. Well, without saying any spoilers, I feel like this the show is overusing its Tatooine locations. First time was a first time was charming. Eighteenth time, you feel like, well, come on, guys. There's more to the universe than this one desert planet, isn't there? Isn't there? Well, you got some ice cave last time, so you're all right. <laughs> yeah, that was good. You like a nice, yeah, you like a nice ice cave? They're done. <laughs> you go, now you're gonna get a lava level. Oh, you're gonna get the full Super Mario. We're gonna, we got the sand level, then you get the ice level, then the lava level. <laughs> In fact, I think like the last season ended with a lava level, so it was very appropriate that they didn't rescue a princess just because that is just straight Star Wars, and that would have just been copycatting. But yeah, they're they're following the 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 Mari. Oh, you know what they're doing? Yeah, I'm thinking about it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing Yoshi's Island because uh, <laughs> okay. Yoshi, Yoshi, Yoshi protects baby Mario. Ah. Oh, and he floats in a little, little bubble. Oh, geez, yeah, this is a it's a complete <laughs> rip off of Yoshi's Island. I'm not going to watch the show now. Then forget okay. it. forget about it. Yeah. It's dead to no, me. That's fine. Dead to yeah, me. I'm watching. I'm watching uh, the right stuff, uh, right, and I'm, I'm no way knowing if I like it or not. No so this idea. is not the movie. This is the this is a, a new serialized version of Tom Wolfe's book. It is uh, close. It is a new serialized version of the movie that was based on <laughs> Tom Wolfe's book. Really? So this, yeah, they, they say it's based on the movie, and then yes, of course, there's the book. So it is like a is like a reimagining book. of it. I, 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 I guess. I suppose so. Like it's not like because the book is the um, book yeah, is they, very much a, the book is very much like historically like it's a piece of a journalism basically that's that's written well, in a very maybe compelling they way. Used enough from the movie that they went, ah, eh, we gotta just say it's uh, we're remaking the movie. We're not we're not we're not doing another adaptation of. <laughs> I guess they can, that way they can avoid paying Tom Wolf any any not he's dead now but paying his estate any royalties. Yeah, and it's and it's all fine. It's just you know I've just seen the movie too much where it's you know crew cut guys uh, bummed out. Like I'm gonna be the guy who's gonna be it. Oh my wife. Oh we're having problems. Oh now my kid knows I could die. What am I gonna do? Oh well maybe I should cheat on my wife. I probably. Should. Everyone else is though. Hmm. Well what if you cheat in space? Does that count? I don't think so. I don't think anyone ever said. That you can't cheat in space. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. Oh, that capsule's small, and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's well done, but it's like, like really seriously, like it's a. It's, they should just call the show Deja Vu. <laughs> You're just watching it, going like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen this before, but that's all right. It's it's watchable. Hmm. I. It's been a while since I saw the movie. I feel I feel like it wasn't. I didn't like it that much. I thought it was okay. That's okay. I read the book, so it's hard. You know, it's one of those things where you're like, well, I read the book. It's it kind of, it kind of, um, it kind of, like the book, like I said, the book is like journalism. It's not really a story. It's not really, it doesn't really have like dramatic beats and stuff like that. It's just telling you the history of the, of the, the Apollo program and, 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 you know, the fact that where they got the original astronauts from, taking them from the, t- the test pilot programs and, 
and the kind of machismo that was a big part of of that life that life and and i think tom wolf the movie does at least kind of get does kind of you know at least allude to tom wolf's sort of central thesis which is that you know chuck yeager was way cooler than all those other guys you know and he never and he never went into the astronaut program he just stayed as a test pilot because he knew where the real action was whereas where really the astronauts were you know could have just been passengers in these in these modules they really they really didn't need to do any sort of navigating or steering or anything like that at the beginning because it was all just shooting them into space allowing a certain number of rotations and then they would come back down to earth again mm-hmm. and uh it was more the the demands of their egos that made made more of what they did than than was needed you know according to tom wolf anyway in the book um so yeah there's you know the great scene of of chuck yeager like crashing while doing a test run, you know, come, coming to Earth on, on, by parachute. And I think that's in the end of the movie, right? Where he, where he comes... With, with uh, the right step? Yeah. I think that's in the movie, right? Like, at the end of the movie, you, you have, like, Jaeger as a I test really pilot. Don't, I, don't, I don't super remember it. Yeah, it's been a, like Jaeger, I say, it's been a while since I saw it, too. So. I, I get it confused because Harris is in it with uh, the Abyss sometimes. And I'm like, and so they all <laughs> become astronauts, and, and one of them drowns, but then aliens show up? That's the Abyss. Okay. Wait. Is hey, it, all right, I am mixing the two up. Wait, I don't think it is. It Harrison the right stuff? I thought he was in Apollo thirteen. Is he also in the right stuff? Oh, I, well, I don't think uh, you can reuse actors from space movies to space movie. Oh, that doesn't make okay. any sense to me. All right, jeez, bite my head off. I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> it all seems to be the same film, but okay, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, he, to be fair, he's in Ground Control in Apollo and thirteen. And Harris, and Harris is in the right stuff. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, who does he play? That's not Gus Grissom because that's a different actor. That's uh, that other guy. Hmm. Well, you know, you're asking me. You're asking me who does uh, who does Ed Harris play? I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. Yeah. As soon as my very slow computer uh, <laughs> brings the screen out, and then I'm gonna. Hmm. I'm not uh, uh, John Glenn. Okay. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it. I, I believe it's um former Holy Motor Rounder. Um. Oh, now I can't remember his name. Darn it! Don't tell me. Wait. Do, I won't. Do tell me. No. Don't tell me. Okay. No. You can tell me. Wait. Does he play Nurse Merch? <laughs> he does not play Nurse Merch. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, he played Chuck uh, Yeager. Uh, Chuck Yeager. Uh, uh, Sam Shepard. Sam Shepard, yeah, that's who I was trying to think of. Former Holy Motor Rounder, Sam Shepard. Yeah, huh. and then uh, Scott... Here's the thing. Sam Shepard plays Chuck Yeager. Yeah. But Alan Shepard yeah. is played by Scott Glenn. Yeah. And you'd find a shepherd yeah. on a glen sure it's crazy you're just confusing me look make shepherd play shepherd you know <laughs> and who does like when you have uh, benedict wong in uh, doctor yeah. strange sure and he's playing wong that's yeah. good stuff that's good that would be confusing if you got another guy with this you know it's confusing enough if you got two benedicts on set but who does but, who know. does um who does uh who does uh ed harris play again ed harris plays john glenn so you got Scott Glenn. He should be playing John Glenn. All right. Because then there's less 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 time wasted explaining who his character is. Well, you should you should tell movies. That. I should go back in time. I should get on that. Okay. So Scott Glenn. This, uh, Scott who, Glenn sounds like an astronaut. Does. Yeah. Yeah. Who well, plays has, uh, uh, Gus Grissom in the movie? Who plays Gus Grissom? I can't remember that actor's name. Gus Grissom is played by Fred Ward. Fred Ward. That's right. Big. Yeah. 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 He screwed the pooch. Dennis, apparently. Dennis Quaid is uh, Gordo uh, Gordo Cooper. Okay. Um, now here's my question for you. Sure. Here we go. Is uh, who played 
the two uh, NASA recruiters who were sent to find astronaut candidates. They were kind of a little bit of comedy relief, a little bit of a comedy pair in that movie. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Huh. Who were the two NASA recruiters? Okay, comedy from that time period. I'm gonna guess Tom Davis and the and his and that other guy. Oh, you were gonna uh, you were Al uh, Franken. Yeah. Al Franken. Um, yeah. No, no, but it was one of them was on. Okay, I'll give you a clue. Okay. Uh, as I am wont to do, one of them was on Saturday Night Live. Oh, okay. As a regular. Okay. And, okay, but I'm gonna tell you this. Yeah. In um in two different incarnations of Saturday Night Live was on Saturday Night Live. Uh, during the Lauren uh, Lauren Michaels yeah. time, yeah, and uh, during the uh, Dick Ebersol time. Oh, really? One of the, the only people that crossed over and did both times. Kevin Nealon, yes. Harry Shearer. Harry Shearer. Okay, okay. I think I would. You think I'd know that, but from a movie I saw twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one time. And the uh, who's the other person? The, uh, and the other the other person. I'll give you a clue. Okay. Uh, the other person uh, helped uh, save the world from an alien invasion. On a, on a on a prominent holiday. Okay, helped save the world from an alien invasion. So, but kind of he's part of the comedy thing of it. And so is he? Is it uh, Randy Quaid? It is Jeff Goldblum. I was thinking Jeff Goldblum, and I thought he's not funny. <laughs> he's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, back at you, back at you with the Jeff Goldblum not being funny. I yeah, he's okay. Uh, there's a little movie called Thor Ragnarok. I want you to see. He's he's okay. Okay, um, uh, uh, he's uh, uh, the tall guy. It feels like he's more like the straight man in that movie. Okay, uh, well, I don't know what to tell you then. Um, Buckaroo Banzai, um, Earth Girls Are Easy, straight yeah. guy in that, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, Gary Shandling Show, it's very funny on the Gary Shandling Show. It's the Gary Shandling Show. I don't remember him on that. He was uh, Gary Shandling's best friend. <laughs> really? Huh. Yeah. But I think he played himself. You know, because he because he would have, and yeah, he showed up quite a bit on the show. I didn't realize that. I don't think I've seen very much of that show. I I did like I did like the bits that I saw, but I think it was yeah, on at a weird time back, for me. It, yeah, I think uh, I think it holds up. It's one of those shows that uh, would, uh, would 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 hold up. What? Uh, so you're saying Ed Harris was in another space movie? He was in Apollo 13 with uh, Kevin Bacon, Tom Hanks, and another person. Okay, but much later. Yeah, like uh, in 1995. All right, sure. But but he was also in The Abyss. Uh, where you yeah. know you had to deal with some aliens and, and whatnot, and yeah, get those things confused. Yeah, because all, all the aliens he was dealing with in the right stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know they cut they cut that bit out. Because people were like, you know, does it help move the plot along? And it's like, no. Well, they also cut. They also basically cut the aliens out of, of the abyss. So it's uh, all, it all worked together. This is, this is all. This is all true. Uh, that's a movie that uh, I, my wife loves, mm. and I uh, I don't uh, love. I'm with Pia on that. I I really I really like that movie a lot. I, that's, I, that's excellent. I do think it has some major flaws, but what I what is good about it is very very good. That's how I describe that movie. What's bad okay, about what it? You, what makes? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go on. I would like a I'd like, I'd like a just a brief breakdown. What's the What's the really good bits about? What's so good about? It? I really Sell me on it. Uh, well, I really like the I really like the interactions of all the characters who work on the drilling station. And I really I think that's really good. I like all the kind of technology and and I like the fact that they're all experts. You know, they're all really good at their jobs. And I really enjoy that part. I also enjoy like the Navy SEAL element of it, where they're kind of like these outsiders who come in who think they're the the best. And and Michael Bean is really good as the kind of supercilious jerk Navy SEAL. And I love 
I love all the underwater parts of it. I, I love the, the swim from, from, uh, one, one side of the station to the other where Ed Harris has to cross. I think that's just great. Really well done. My problem with the movie, I think, is, is kind of the alien subplot, which I know is sort of the engine of the movie because that's the, that's the, what kicks off the need for the Navy SEALs to come down because they're worried about that it's not aliens. Of course, they think it's like, uh, you know, Soviet activity that, you know, and they're all paranoid and those guys come down and, 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 and so, but I just feel like the movie doesn't really, it doesn't integrate the alien elements into the film very well. So it just kind of like, it's kind of like, this sort of sits on top of the film in sort of an uncomfortable way. And like, and especially if you, even if you watch like, like the original movie, it's like in, incomprehensible. But even if you watch the director's cut where it, it includes more of the act actions of the aliens, it still feels very like tacked on to the movie. You know, it's kind of like, here's our moral. And then, and it kind of to me undercuts what, what it to me is like the true dramatic moment of the film, which is Ed Harris sacrificing himself to save everyone. You know, he goes down to defuse the bomb and he has to use that special suit where he breathes uh, the liquid liquid oxygen or whatever, you know, and he goes down and it's so great. Like just the whole sequence of it is great where he's communicating to his estranged wife, uh, you know, via text and just going down. And then when he gets down there, he diffuses it and then he's just kind of like, well, OK, I'm done. You know, we all knew this was a one way trip. And I'm just like, this is so great and so dramatic. And it's so, I mean, it's sad and heartbreaking, but it's so brave. And, and then out of nowhere, these dumb faced aliens show up and you're just like, ah, oh, <laughs> fuck you, dumb faced aliens. Like you've just ruined the whole movie because it just, all this drama and all this hard and the, the tears that I cried because I'm a big, big, big baby at movies. Uh, it's, you know, it just, it just kind of like, well, why are we crying? Because. Aliens save the day, dummy. It's kind of like, well, where did they come? Like, I know, I know there's that alien. And that's the other thing too. Like the movie like took so long to make because he wanted to perfect that software in order to create that computer generated image of the, the water that comes into the, into the station and and loops through it and then comes up and then morphs into, into, um, Mary, Marianne Master Antonio, is that her name? The act, the actress who plays the, the sounds sounds about right. Yeah, to me that sounds right. Okay, uh, and it's it's very impressive, but at the same time, like if you didn't bother with all the dumb alien stuff, then you wouldn't have needed to waste so much time wait, waiting for that. To, you know, like like apparently the shoot was like and, a nightmare and you're right, to do. That is, is she? Yeah, it is Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio. Yeah. Oh, Mary Elizabeth. No, I said I said it slightly differently, but yeah. Oh, did you? Well, uh, I apologize. I apologize to her. Whatever you want. It's fine. Um, I will accept your apology on her behalf. Uh, was this before <laughs> Terminator 2? And so he was developing the technology he then used in Terminator 2? I believe so, yes. I believe that was the okay. first use of that kind of, um, you know, where it could make like liquid, uh, realistic looking in, in, in a computer animated Into way. a face and then the face. Mm-hmm, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does. He does I mean, listen, hey, it was, it was impressive. And, and it's and impressive, but it's just it. That whole alien subplot to me feels unnecessary in that movie. Like you could just do it as like a Cold War thriller, and actually have like some sort of uh, imaginary, or even just imaginary communist activity, or some sort of misunderstanding of you know crossing uh, into um, you know territorial waters or whatever. But you know, and then still have the plot fueled by by that if that's what you want, you know. But it just felt I don't know. It just seemed so all all tacked on and. 
and really, to me, undercut, undercut the real drama of the movie, which was the personal relationships between the characters, you know? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, you could really ruin a lot of movies with having aliens come along at the end and then solve the problem. <laughs> well, yes. That movie, that movie that does That would it. really put a spin on Sophie's choice. <laughs> it's just like, the aliens <laughs> go, hey, it's okay, we'll, we'll yeah. fight this battle for you. Sure. Like, or we no can, thanks, aliens. We can take you back in time, and you can, you can uh, make this decision. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be, that would that would work out okay. Well, Alien comes down, uh, Titanic, and just like saves <laughs> saves, uh, every, saves everyone. Well, no, just oh, how about they they just deliver a bigger door? Sure. So then yeah, he can I, get Jack can get aliens, on the door. Then yeah, the aliens come down. They go just like we're just gonna save Jack. Why? <laughs> because true love is the most <laughs> precious thing in the universe. And some someone yells. I love my husband. And he goes, do you though? Do you? You're right. We're going through some stuff. Then drown. But Jack Rose coming with me. And then they go over and they save the kids in West Side Story. Oh, wow. Well, I'm, glad, yeah. I'm glad they're saving more than just Jack and Rose. But I mean, Jack and Rose, why not? Yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it, I just, I don't know. That movie is, um, it, uh, like I say, I've, it's one I, if if it's on TV or if it's available for me to watch, I will watch it. It's a movie I do enjoy like rewatching. I've seen it like fifty times. Just <laughs> okay, it's not not that much. I've I'm talking like no, maybe he, I've seen he, it. He watches it right, and it's like it's either leave the room or watch it. So watch it. It's fine. It's fine. It's like okay, and there he's drowning again. Oh, Ed Harris. You know that yeah. guy can drown. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's a good movie. Did I like, it win any awards? I like the scene when he... No. Did it win any awards? I hope it won something for special effects because they really... Like, the whole... That movie was... That was a hard shoot, apparently. Like, it was filmed in, like, I think a disused... A disused, like, atomic... um, Like, in a, like in a nuclear energy plant. Something like that. Yeah. It was, like, a place where there was a giant reservoir of water. It was filmed, like, in a tank. But it was, like... And, wasn't made by the studio for the movie. They just used a giant tank. And then, okay, and they did, uh, they did win the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. Oh, that's good. That's good because you know that that you know like that's such a step forward that the alien water creature thing is just amazing. I don't think it's necessary to the movie, and I think it gets in the way, but I do think it's amazing. You could have done it with a sock. I think a guy with a sock on his arm and just like uh, have the sock come around the corner, like hey, how you doing? And uh, do it puppet style. That would have been fine. But yeah, it was also good what they did. <laughs> Yeah, the sock would have been more impressive. You're, you're right. Uh, and then, and then apparently they had to like put like uh, big tarps over top of the tank so that it was dark because they had to film everything like it was really deep down. So they had all these tarps over top of the tank. And then they created special masks for the movie because they needed to be able to see the actors' faces. So they they created like special masks that no one would ever use doing that job that they do, but with the lights inside them and everything. Like they actually were created for the film. So the actors' faces, that's not the first time they've done that, but that was one of the first times I've ever heard of them doing that, where they, they created these special masks. And then, it was, you know, of course, it was cold and miserable. You're cold yeah. in the station. You're every, it was, everything was wet all the time, you know. So it wasn't like no one... And then it also, like, took, you know, uh, two times longer to film than it was supposed to as well. So everyone was there for a really long time and all kind of grouchy because it was such a long shoot. But that's that's water for you. I think because then when when um, Cameron did Titanic, he like had his fake Titanic like docked in a port, I think, in off of California or maybe off Mexico, like by Baja Mm -hmm. or whatever. Like he had this big 
like it was basically like welded to the to the to the dock and they just that's what they used for, for the boat and but they still had problems there too because there was you know storms and things that wreck sets and other problems not to mention having to dry off all the scenery every time you wanted to reshoot sections of the movie yeah i like your description of just like that that's water for you <laughs> uh, how many how many movies figured that out well late? that's right like yeah. that's jaws right like jaws was a was a mess it was it was over the shoot was too long and it was they were they were bleeding money and in fact the the network executives flew out to see like check on what was happening but they were actually when they got there they're like okay well you're filming that that's good okay that's fine and they left so i think they were worried that like, it was just like a big giant coke party but that wasn't really steven spielberg's bag so it was just like no we're just working really hard but we're dealing with storms we're dealing with you know all these problems that you don't really anticipate until you're actually working around water and same with water world too water world was a big you know went way yeah. over budget i was about to say water world yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have a I have a friend that uh bought uh one of the oil tankers from Waterworld and uh, lives in it basically in the desert. Wow. That's yeah. kind of cool. Uh, but, but yeah. using it wrong though, by the way, why is that? Why is that? Cause he's in sand world. He's not in water world. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah okay. Fair enough. She's a, you can tell her that. Uh, you know, um, you, she's, a contrarian. Like she's a contrarian. She's a contrarian. You're not wrong. Yeah. That part. Uh, but then again, it's a person who, who you know, will buy a part of Waterworld and live in the desert with it. Yeah, uh, she, yeah. She's a, a comic book writer named Carla uh, Pacheco, who okay. does uh, right now the Spider Woman comic book. But yeah, oh cool. And if you go to her Twitter page, you will see uh, sometimes she has parties with friends, and you see yeah, yeah, she just bought a um, big chunk, if not most of uh, this uh, tanker from the movie Waterworld, and uh, she took it to the desert, and that's. That's where they hang out and do stuff. I'm sure she got a good deal on it because they probably just wanted to get rid of all that stuff. I, I am betting. I'm betting as well. <laughs> and as someone who's got a surfboard from Charlie's Angels too, I am not going to judge her. <laughs> you don't live in it in a, in the desert, though. I do not, and I have a tiny bit of uh, Doctor Octopus's arm from the Spider-Man too. That's uh, cool. Uh, the film. Yeah, it's, it, it, that is pretty cool. But that was at the time one of my favorite, very favorite films. So you know that uh, that all made a, a bunch of sense. This yeah, the the surfboard. I'm not sure why we got that. I think it was just a really good deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, oh, okay, that sounds fun. So you said that at one time that was one of your favorite films. So have you has that fallen off the map now? That movie. I think it's very. I think it's very good. But uh, this was before any of them, uh, like what we consider the Marvel movies now, okay. before Iron Man and what have you. Yeah. Uh, went. Uh, so I'd say some others have, uh, pushed it, pushed it back, but I think I, I really do like it uh, a lot, but at the time it was far and away the best, uh, kind of comic booky superhero movie sure, that I, sure. I, I had ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So strange the differences between that and the, the third one. Like I understand you got to put extra characters in, you got to do this, that, and the other, but it's just like, just maybe it is just like too much CGI. And that doesn't let Sam Raimi be Sam Raimi. It's. I think it's partly that. I think it's. There is a lot of studio interference in that movie. Unlike the first mm. two, which they didn't seem to care about it, as if it was kind of like, eh, whatever. Some Spider-Man junk. First one was a fluke. So strange, yeah. Because so I think so they wouldn't care about Spider-Man. He was already working on two when when the num- first one came out, so it was it was kind of past the point of of too much studio interference. But the third one, they wanted like more. Uh, villains in it they insisted that venom be put into it so it had a lot of stuff that he wasn't really too keen on but you know you have to play nice yeah, which sometimes is, 
which is really a drag because you know you have uh, uh what's this uh, hayden church at sandman yeah and yeah. it's like oh there's something there definitely where it's a guy who you know it's again it's about responsibility he's a, a dad yeah so like if you want to make a good spider-man story show two people with responsibility like peter parker's got responsibility what does he do with it and but the guy another person who's going i've got a lot of responsibility but I'm going to make some compromise, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and the, the compromises leads you down a path, darker, darker path, darker, darker path. And then hopefully maybe somewhere near the end, some redemption perhaps, or, you know, that's what you get with the Dr. Octopus story. Right. So yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, but they don't really get a get to play it because all of a sudden you've got, well, as a villain from space <laughs> is bonded with this guy. I'm like, well, what? who, what, who cares? Yeah. Oh, and also Green Goblin. Oh, for crying out loud. What are you talking about? You've got a Green Goblin as well? Yeah. Like, all you really need to do is for one of those movies where they've got too many villains is, like, you see the big battle at the end and all the stuff's exploding and and things going on, and then you cut to Spider-Man at home, and he's just watching it on his TV. Like, Mary Jane goes, are you going to do anything? It's like... Yeah, they're tired. You're going to fight each other first. What, am I going to jump in the middle of that mess? No. Yeah. Do you even notice that I'm not there? No, of course you don't. One guy has my powers. What's the matter? It's fine. They'll take care. It's it's okay. (laughs) What I like about... What I think is weird about the second movie and what I like about it so much, though, is I I love the scene in the hospital when they attempt to remove Dr. Octopus's arms that have fused to his body mm-hmm. and it's just like out and out like just pure horror like this is like it's not like a superhero movie it's not like an attack by you know the incredible hulk or or some sort of villainous character from those movies it's just like it's out and out yeah is this film like horror it's done like horror it's it's crazy but now, guess, that is how yeah that's how you could have done it if you were doing the third movie yeah would be like look sam raimi is interested in doing some different stuff fine the Venom story is a horror story. Yeah. Straight horror story. Sure. This cannibalistic monster that's just, yeah. Uh, that Now we got a, a kind of grounded, uh, more human story of like uh, Harry who's like mourning his father, but he's hallucinating like crazy. And he's, he's going insane. Well, that's a good Sam Raimi story. All right, we got that. Now over here, we got your Sandman story, which is a father that's in it. All right, we played that. And, you know, I mean, the best way to do it would do instead is you break the movie into three parts and you just do <laughs> one at a time. And it's like three short stories about Spider-Man. But if you have to merge them together, every time you're in the different genres, uh, you, you let Sam Raimi go full out in those genres like he did in Spider-Man 2 when he did the horror yeah. uh, thing for uh, the arms. Yeah. 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 Or, or when he's doing like uh, whenever Bruce Campbell shows up, you know, as the usher. And yeah. now he's just doing a full on broad comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so let him let him do that business. <laughs> yeah. Is it the third one where he's where uh, Bruce Campbell is he's supposed the to be del- the waiter with the ring? Yeah, that's very good. That's a good that's a good bit, too. I mean, that's just, that's like almost like a, a sketch of the camp. Yeah, like, it, it, it's just it is. so broad and over the top. It's like, it's great. <laughs> I am very, very curious to see what he does with the Doctor Strange movie and if he's, uh, you know, can go kind of really, really dark. I in, guess. In I, I, I am that... curious, too. I, I, yeah, it's interesting. I, I almost feel like his hands are a little bit tied just, just by the way that Marvel works. So he doesn't really have, like, a lot of say over the special effects, for instance. So you're not going to get very much Raimi there. So it's going to be you interesting. Don't think, um, you don't think, like, James Gunn gets uh, say over his special effects? To a degree, but there's a lot of previs that happens that 
I know this from just like watching videos about Marvel movies and stuff like that. So there's a lot of stuff that then before the directors even brought into the project. So they kind of inherit a lot of stuff that then they have to kind of make make into their own in a way, but still have to like integrate I, it. I feel like after the success of James Gunn and Taika Waititi, uh, that they'd be more flexible now to be going into the weirder, sure. the weirder areas. Sure. And, I don't know and, if Sam Raimi like will get the same, same, uh, I can't see why they'd hire Sam Raimi and not let him be Sam Raimi. Well, yeah, I think they'd learned a great lesson. <laughs> I, you know, hope, with, I hope so. I hope so. But well, because, again, nothing, nothing teaches you a lesson more than making a shitload of money. <laughs> uh, and, you know, That's losing right. money also does. Yeah, but you can get the wrong lesson out of losing money. Yeah, but making money, uh, you can also get, get the wrong well, lesson. Some, let's get the wrong lesson to get Spider-Man three. It's a good point. Because well, point. you know, like you haven't. Um, yeah, they have. You know, all the movies make money, so they they carefully massage them to make money. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's going to be interesting seeing WandaVision because I think that's going to be leading mm. into Spider, you know, the new Spider-Man movie, which is going to lead into the Doctor Strange movie. And, you know, it's uh, why not? Why not get a little weird and dark and, and play in that realm? I mean, it's always safe to kind of go dark and horror-y. You know, there's always a market for, for that kind of thing. So we'll see what happens. And they can always pull back and be sweet later on. You know, that's always an option. But yeah, let Sam Raimi be Sam Raimi. I, that's what I would like to see for sure. Some crazy camera movement, some some fun over the top. I mean, ah, yeah, yeah. His sense of humor is, uh, yeah, hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yes, um, but you know, hey, he's a Stooges fan, you know. So you get that kind of clunky, weird, over the top kind of stuff that he loves, you know. Yeah, then you've got someone like a Taika Waititi who's very much the humor of today. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. He's like really, really on the on the mark. Um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how uh, we'll see how it goes. But frankly, I mean, what are we saying? The Snyder Cut's going to come out of Justice League, and that's going to change everything. Everyone's going to go, nope, that's the way to go. <laughs> they nailed it. That that movie nailed it. We love mm. it. It's great. Everything has to be like this now. Everything. Shoot it through a blue filter. Everything. It's great. I don't understand. plays uh, every other scene. <laughs> I don't understand how it's the Snyder cut and it's like four hours long. Like that is not the cut that would have made it into theaters. So it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, it's more than is, is it only four hours long? Is it longer, it longer than longer four than hours? That. It seems. I think, I think it. I think it might be. Yeah. I think it's. Uh, oh, it's just so long. Let's see how long is the Snyder cut. Well, I guess, maybe they don't even know yet. But uh, let's see how maybe long it's speculation. Oh, it's two. It's two hundred and fourteen minutes, uh, three and a half hours. You're right. Uh, oh, but the assembly cut was five hours long. Oh, okay. That that's different. Yeah, yeah. Of course, all all movies go through that. You know, where you put together like a huge five hour long cut, and then you've got to then you have to decide. I think I think Heaven's Gate was like five hours. The original cut was like five hours long, and people are like, "Man, I wish I could see that version." And you're like, "Why?" <laughs> Haven't you seen the short version? Like that's hard. It's, I can hardly stand watching that. So boring. Why would you want to add more boredom? Man, did you, did you I, I sure wish it was longer. Oh yeah, a couple times. All right. Yeah, I think I watched. I watched it originally. Like uh, I didn't see it in the theater. I rented it though when I was younger, and then and then I saw like a a different cut of it. I think on Laserdisc of all things. Might have been an early DVD, but I, yeah, I watched it and. I don't know, like I, I and I, you know, I have friends who love it. They love it, like they just love that movie, and I just don't understand. Like to me, it's so, it's so dull. Like there's just, like 
like there's a giant battle scene which apparently was like originally cut at like you know an hour and something long it's just ridiculous and it's like the most like dusty aimless battle sequence you've ever seen like it's you don't really know what's going on no one in this fight knows what's going on i guess it's supposed to like convey the fact that no one knows what's going on but at the same time you feel you feel like well if i don't know what's going on and i'm watching it what do i care like it's hard to care what's happening so you start you stop paying attention because it's just it's just sort of this aimless loud noisy <sighs> you know united artists was a great studio and that movie that movie destroyed it it just destroyed it you know if, if you like called up a list of movies that came out on United Artists, even like in just the 1970s, you'd be like, holy crap. Like they had so much good stuff. And then, and then that movie just like killed them, killed them because the original idea of United Artists wasn't to be like a move, a financial, like a financing movie studio. It was originally, of course, it was really founded by Charlie Chaplin, Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks. And the idea was that they would use it as a distribution for their movies that they individually made. So they they didn't have like an like they didn't have like a boss overseeing their movies. They were their own bosses, and they made their own movies. So Mary Pickford made her Mary Pickford movies, and Douglas Fairbanks made his movies, and Charlie Chaplin made his movies. And when they got a movie made, then they would use United Artists as their distributor, and that was United Artists' role. So it was to distribute films, and so it distributed them, but also distributed other uh, films that they they liked or thought would be would be good, right? So, and I guess they probably had executives. But not. But the executives weren't in charge of 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 the stars. The stars were in charge of the studio. And of course, that changed over time as the, you know as they stopped producing movies and Charlie Chaplin was exiled from from the United States. They they um a political exile as if we live in a military dictatorship. <gasps> Maybe we do. And then uh, the um you know so it kind of took on its own thing, but it still like acted as like what it would it would get movies from independent producers. Who would, and then they would they would distribute them, so they would use like their distribution muscles to to get those movies out into theaters, you know. So so like someone like Woody Allen, you know, he would get financing from other people, and he would make a movie, a little movie, and then bring it to United Artists. And United Artists would distribute it. United Artists didn't pay him to make movies; they were just the distributor of his films. But they had like a great you know a great record of, of films. And then it all came crashing down. Because <laughs> then they decided as the 70s wore on, they're like, well, maybe we should get into the financing part of it. And like, you know, we'll, we'll make the movies. And so, you know, they put, they threw their, they threw in their lot with Michael Cimino, the, who had had a hit with Thunder, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, the Clint Eastwood film. And then, of course, had hit it really big out of the park with, with The Deer Hunter, which was both a critical and commercial smash and won a bunch of Oscars. And, and then, he went from that to do, to do Heaven's Gate, you know, and, and Heaven's Gate is that thing that, that, you know, no director should be allowed to make, which is the film he had in a drawer. You know, he had the <laughs> screenplay. He'd always wanted to make it. And as soon as he had, like, the, the clout, he, like, pulled out this dusty old script and dusted it off and, and brought it to United Artists and said, this is the film I want to make. You know, I want to make this movie about a homesteader's battle against, against the cattle barons. And they're like, sounds like a winner. The Western. What what Western has not made money in the 1970s? <laughs> what? Yeah, it's uh, sad. I was thinking, like, I think the thing to me that, that uh, ruined uh, United Artists was uh, their uh, creepy um, logo. Oh, I love the yoga. When you know, it would freak me out when you're watching, like, you're watching cartoons. Yeah. And, like, it's like, oh, it's time for Merry Melodies. And it'd be, da, 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 da. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. And it's like a Disney one. And it's like, you know, da, 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 da. Oh, nice. yeah. And here comes United Artists. <laughs> 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 
I think um, I think I love it because it opened also, so many movies I loved, though. Yeah, but but then it would like cut to the Pink Panther uh, mm-hmm. looking in no way like the Pink Panther ever looked in the cartoons. Like I would love to see the Pink Panther look like that smoking, cool, weird, sexy Panther <laughs> you see just in that thing where he just like, takes the cigarette out of his mouth and it's like it blows a little smoke. Hey, how you doing, kids? Enjoy the cartoon. And then if this lanky dork shows up playing the Pink Panther. It's like, where's this guy? No, wait, where's sexy Pink Panther after scary United Artists logo? Where's that? Where's that guy huh. fighting? Is this like man? the cartoons in the in or the movie? What's that? This is like the the Pink Panther movies. Like in well, no, they had okay the Pink Panther and the Pink Panther uh, uh, title sequences. There's uh, he was also a lanky dork. But uh, <laughs> if you look at the opening of the Pink Panther cartoons, it would always start with that United Artists creepy thing. Yeah. And then it would be this real sexy pink, you know, uh, Pink Panther, you know, logo. And it would be the Pink Panther not standing up, but kind of squatting like a panther. Yeah. Except uh, with control of a, a paw like a hand and like smoking from a long cigarette holder, taking a long drag, sexy eyelashes, looking at you, come <laughs> hither, blowing a bit of smoke if I'm remembering correctly. And it's like, who's this that guy? Can't, they couldn't have had it in Smoking for Kids cartoons? Well, it wasn't for kids cartoons. Oh. It was, uh, it was the theatrical shorts. Oh, the okay. Yeah, this was the one, the United Arts ones. Okay. So, yeah. I don't think yeah, I've ever seen those. series of those. We've, we've never seen... Oh, really? I don't think I've oh, ever seen stars. those. I, I mean, I, oh, I remember I remember the, the Saturday morning cartoon with like the aardvark no, and no, the ants no, no, no. and stuff and like they, that. They would, show, they would show them sometimes and they would sometimes keep the opening in. But uh, yeah, and they would alternate it with the inspector, yeah, and uh, the artwork and the ant. But no, there's just this real sexy uh, pink panther uh, <laughs> uh, people out there. It's, you know what I'm talking about. It's disturbing. About, right? It's disturbing how sexy you find this pink panther. You know what made those oh, pink panther you, openings so good? Oh man, you look, take a look at this pink panther, and and, and you tell me. Okay. That, well, unfortunately, I'm now looking up sexy pink panther, and I'm getting a Halloween costume. <laughs> well, they, you that's, know, not that's not what you do. That's some, some furry fiction. Okay. Well, maybe this, these aren't the images I should be looking at. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have this on my computer. I will send you. I will send you the image of the pink panther that I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, okay. But back to your uh, love affair. With, oh, there we go. Okay, I got. I got this guy. Um, uh, I'm gonna yeah. I'll send you. I'll send you an image of uh, this this fella. Because uh, yeah, and you and you tell me. You know, you wouldn't. Uh, you know, if you had a chance. <laughs> well, well, I don't know, but okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'm revealing a bit too much. Yeah. Tell me more about your, your love of Universal uh, movies. Will I give you this United Artists movies? United Artists. That's right. Sorry. I'm uh, I'm enraptured by the pink. I was just. <laughs> I was just gonna say what you know what makes uh you know what makes. The Pink Panther animated sequence is so great is that they were directed by um, they're directed by Fritz Freeling from who uh, was the model for uh, his nemesis, the little man with the mustache. Oh, really? Was, uh, based, was based on Fritz Freeling, yeah. Who was called the little man? That was his uh, that was his character name. People people don't know that he looks a bit like the Inspector as well, but he's not. They're totally di- they're totally different uh, people. Did you like the Pink Panther cartoons? They're fine. I like the I like the voices of the of the uh, the characters. Okay, here's a here's a trivia question for you. Uh, who was the original? Like the Pink Panther, very re- rarely spoke. Yeah. Uh, but occasionally he would speak, and like later on, he was be played by Mel Blanc, as you had to be. <laughs> um, but before he was played by Mel Blanc, uh, who did the voice of the Pink Panther? 
And I'll tell you this much, he was Canadian. Is he well-known or is he... Very well-known indeed, sir. Very well-known. A big celebrity. A big star. Really? All my stars. What a big star. Yes, not a big movie star. But, uh, oh. uh, you know, I uh, would be on, like, The Tonight Show for sure. Uh, you know, it'd be on all these uh, shows like that. Yeah. And it was a guy. There you go. Yes. It's Canadian. Was it Lauren Green? No. No. Okay. Uh, he, was a, he, was a com- he was a comedian. Oh, he was a comedian. Was oh, a I'm sorry. Comedian. Uh, we have talked. We so was it Rich Little? Rich Little who did it? Too much. Rich Little? Yeah. Rich Little, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, sorry. Sir. Went the wrong way there with your... <laughs> That's okay. There. And I've sent you a picture of... Uh... Okay. Now, listen. Just the still image of the Pink Panther might not be the sexiest. Uh, I, I, you got to watch one of the openings to the cartoons and see, see what you think. I may be saying too much. <laughs> That's fine. You can say I had much. a friend, uh, my friend uh, Pierce, said he knew, uh, the first inklings he had that he was gay uh, was watching Mighty Mouse cartoons. Mighty, and, uh, Mighty Mouse liked, cartoons? Mighty Mouse cartoons. Okay. okay. And, he, and he was like, ah, started to have feelings for Mighty Mouse. And he was like, it's like this guy's really strong. He's really, he's real, he's built real nice. Yeah, yeah. But he was especially, <laughs> especially there was something about his cheeks. He'd have oh. these rosy cheeks. Okay. And just like this really well-built mouse with rosy cheeks. <laughs> and then uh, later on in life, when he finally came out, he was just like, yeah, I think that was uh, when I knew was uh, was Mighty Mouse let me know I was gay. Or attracted to mice. <laughs> one, of the, one of the two. But probably went with a better uh, option of, uh, of uh, being gay. Huh. Yeah. Wow. It's a sexy, sexy mouse. For sure. Uh, just one, for, what's the one to say one more thing about Heaven's Gate. <laughs> no, we're gonna keep listing sexy cartoon animal characters. <laughs> which is that? Um, which is that? What was I gonna say? So when um, when Chimino was getting in trouble from the from the studio for taking so long over the film, and they were like basically gonna shut down production and just take away the film from him, he was like pleading, and he's like, when I was doing Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, I was doing you know. Uh, he said some amazing amount of setups per day. So he's trying to like, convince right. them that he could like rush through the end of the film. But what he didn't tell them was that he did the same thing when he was doing Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. He fell behind schedule. And and Eastwood essentially said to him, you have to be done shooting by Friday because I'm leaving and I won't be coming mm-hmm. back again. So you have to get everything done that I'm in by Friday, which, which is basically the whole movie because Clint Eastwood was a star. And so uh, he had to like rush through the like do all these crazy crazy amounts of setups to f- get to get uh, the film done before Clint Eastwood had to leave because Clint Eastwood had another movie to do. So he's just like, I can't stay any longer. I'm going. Plus, he probably was sick of how long it was taking this uh, movie to get made. Now, and he had like a thousand other movies to make because Clint Eastwood. Yes, you know, I'm Clint Eastwood. I'm I'm in everything. I'm in everything. Now I'm just wondering now if this whole idea, like I read this book called. Um, the final cut, I believe, which is about how how um, Heaven's Gate killed killed United Artists, and yet I'm looking. Heaven's Gate was 1980, and the movies go on into like the, the 80s. Like they keep on going into the 90s. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe someone else must have bought the the studio. I don't know the whole history of the of the studio. I'm just looking at the movies. Yeah, it feels like you're telling me about uh, Cleopatra at this point. It's, <laughs> it's, it's all the same kind of stuff. It's just like, see, Cleopatra ruined the studio when it was on. I think it was the Fox lot. They, they did a big deal about that. Yeah, and yeah. They said, oh, you know who built this studio was young Shirley. You know who destroyed the studio was Cleopatra. And I wanted to say to them, you know what you should have done? Cast uh, Shirley Temple as Cleopatra. 
Patra. See mm. what happens. <laughs> just break even. No profit, but it's fine. No one loses money. No one gains money. Yeah, she wasn't doing very much at that point. She was in um, a quite a good film with Cary Grant and Myrna Loy. Uh, what was that movie? It had a weird... The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer. Yeah, it's a good movie. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's fun. With uh, Myrna Loy plays the sister of Shirley Temple, who, who um, as a punishment to... I can't remember why she's punishing Cary Grant, but his punishment is that he has to basically be the escort of Shirley Temple, this teenage girl, for some set amount of time, which he's not very happy about. So, but I can't remember why that happened or what the idea was of it or anything else, because it does sound kind of icky in this modern time. But uh, it is kind of fun to see Cary Grant like trying to pretend to be a, a teen in a movie. Although I could be confusing it with Monkey Business, not the Marks for the Monkey Business, but the Monkey Business he did with Howard Hawks and, and Ginger Rogers, which is also a really good film, another 50s one. Okay, cool. I know too many movies. <laughs> no, I understand. And sometimes, you know, uh, clogs up the head and, uh, you know, you know. Yeah. You don't know. How could you know? You can't. Any... I mean, again, I'm confusing. I'm confusing the abyss with the right stuff. So you know, no, I'm not one to talk. Anyway, United Artists put out a lot of good movies. That's all I have to say. And there we go. And uh, one of my questions of the week is going to be: Has there ever been a cartoon character you were attracted to? And throw that out there. Cartoon character you, you were, were attracted, attracted to. to. Yeah. Um. Hmm. I'll have to think about that. I don't think so that's fine that's fine don't remember one that uh awakened my yearning loins as a young child it reminds me of a scene from uh red dwarf where cat and uh rimmer are uh talking and uh, about uh, wilma flintstone and they just talk about how sexy she is they just go on and on about whether they'd have a chance with her then they go look at us we're, we're being ridiculous here she'd never leave fred <laughs> <It's> like, <yeah. laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, no, that wouldn't Wilma. No, not at all. How about Betty? Yeah, Betty's Betty's. I mean, Betty's a brunette. It's more in my more in my line. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, oh, and and Margrock. I don't I don't remember that. I don't remember Anne Margrock. Oh, Anne Margrock was pretty good. Again, this is a uh, this car. Listen, there's a lot of stuff that happened this uh, in the last little while. Uh, the, the global politics and stuff. Yeah, I had a scare. Sure. My cats with sure. my cat's health that yeah. uh, it's turned out okay, but uh, there's been a lot of stress, a lot of weird stuff going on. Big things, small things, so many things. It's just been an emotional, uh, you know, uh, game of squash with me as the ball. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, you get to do a podcast at the end of all this. Like, what are you going to talk about? Yeah, I, I do Betty. <laughs> well, here, I'll tell you. Know, you. It's going to come down to that. Sure. Again. It's going to come down to and again, I don't want to ruin things for Barney, and I don't want to. I, I would never cheat on my wife with a cartoon character. Um, so you know, it's never going to happen. But you know, it should it should have come down to it, and I and I end up cool worlding it at some point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh dear. No, I I think I think I'm more into like cartoon characters, not animated characters. So I always found like ah, so. Uh, so yeah, like an asterisk, the that very very pretty wife. I think of the fishmonger. Oh yeah, yeah. Or the no, no, she oh, was married to the old man. She was married to the old man, right? Okay, uh, that, that sounds. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Uh, now you got me thinking of Cleopatra, though. Now. <laughs> and then She's for got a very pretty nose. For whatever reason, <laughs> when I used to read uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog to the girls when they're growing up. <laughs> uh oh. Not okay, not Clifford. Places. Not Clifford. I know what you're thinking, but no, it wasn't Clifford. Uh, it was. <laughs> The girl, the girl who owned Clifford, her mum, 
very attractive woman. The most, the most basic drawing. <laughs> and I was like, gee, she's really oh, good looking. Lord. Brunette, very kind of little zaftig. That's all I asked for. Yeah, I'm going to miss this podcast. This <laughs> fine we, we had a good run i don't think there's anything we can be embarrassed about uh, up until this point but now yeah it's our, it's fine this actually does tie into something that i wanted to tell you about. okay for one, for our last one, show one part yeah. one part's just a neat bit of uh oh this is happening and and two yeah. is uh oh that's actually interesting and connects with the real world yeah. um so the thing that's oh that's interesting and that's happening okay is uh, uh Jim Henson's company, yeah, uh, the Jim Henson company is sure. what it's called, uh, is doing a an animated uh, sitcom uh, based on a uh, a comic strip that you read every day. I think so. Uh, first of all, would you like to do a Davish guess as to which one they're uh, doing it about? Which character? It's they're a doing? CGI. It's a CGI animated uh, series uh, done by uh, King Features. There's the yeah. And Jim Henson's company. Okay. And uh, and it's produced by the Digital Puppetry Studio. Okay. And All so, right, so what car- what comic strip character are they making a sitcom about? Oh, so it's not it's not based on the Muppets. It's a, ho- a wholly different. It's based on a comic strip that you read probably every day. Okay. And that one is going to be. Or maybe you don't. Maybe it's not in the province, but it's a it's a very popular. Okay. It's very popular. Yeah. Uh. Can I get? Can I? Can I narrow it down? Is it an animal or is it a human? It is a human. It's a human. There is a dog in the strip. <laughs> Wait, is there a dog? There is not a dog. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, I think there might be a dog, uh, but there is not. Okay, maybe there's not a dog. Okay, go ahead. All right. Then no, there is a dog. There is a dog in it. Yes, I'm sorry. And Frank Welker will be playing the dog as he must in everything, <laughs> uh, or he has played the dog in the past. Okay, go ahead. Oh, okay. Oh. There's a dog in this. So, oh man, I. They have had a television special in the past in uh, 1989. Mm-hmm. Uh, the strip has been around since uh, 1973. Hmm. Hmm. 1973. Um, I don't know. I have to give up. Sorry. Okay. It is Hagar the Horrible. Oh. Oh, yeah, really? They're doing a Hagar the Horrible uh, animated series. Uh, Jim Henson Company. When they say the Digital Puppetry Studio. I'm wondering if that means they're doing that, you know, basically like uh, motion capture and then uh, uh, converting it in some way to CGI, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. For this, but yeah, that's and, cool. Uh, I was thinking, I was thinking about the dog, and the dog is Snurt, but I got confused by the duck that's back, and I went, "Is it a duck?" Or do they only have a duck. <laughs> do they think it's a dog. It's like, no, no, they got Snurt. They got Snurt the dog. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, tying into that, uh. Uh, uh, there was a, a Joe Biden story, and the Joe Biden story was about uh, how uh, when about how uh, the Hager the Hor- Horrible comic strip. He's always saved one of the Hager the Horrible comic strips, and it was one that uh, uh, really resonated with him in his in his life. And uh, it's one where uh, Hagar yeah. is uh, standing on a. Do you know which one I'm going to be? I'm going to bring up. Is it the one where uh, Hager's playing baseball and and he he strikes out three he has three strikes, <laughs> and he gets it on the third one and goes it was worth running for president the third time is that what it is? No, no, I was just referring to the fact that Joe Biden brought in the three strikes law. Three strikes and you're not ruled. Yeah, yeah. no, nope, that's fine. No, get them get them all off your chest right now if you want. <laughs> 
<laughs> any more political singers, Dave? No, go ahead. Yeah, what, no, it's fine. What? Uh, what? No, he was he was talking to uh, the evil Piers Morgan, mm. um, and uh, and uh, the subject of you know his family tragedies uh, got brought up, and he went like, "Yeah, there was this comic strip that I always had with me, and and, and uh, that meant a lot to me, and it was a Hagar the Horrible one." And uh, the first panel is uh, Hagar. Uh, he's uh, standing on a rock. Uh, when a storm hits him, it sunk his longboat. And it's uh, Hagar is like uh, talking to God yeah. and says to God, why me? And uh, and then God goes, why not? <laughs> okay. And and, uh, and and that meant a lot to him. Mm. <laughs> just, yeah. Why might Why wouldn't it happen? Why wouldn't it happen? To <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is, you know, you've. Uh, you know, you've, you've got to have faith. you got to go on with your life. But yeah, it can happen to anybody. And that's, yeah, why not? I guess, I mean, yeah. I mean, you find meaning where where you find meaning. That's really interesting. Because, yeah, someone who's had such a huge tragedy in his life. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's a hilarious joke. <laughs> <laughs> you think of a tragedy and you just start laughing. And then uh, it just erases the tragedy and everything's fine. That's all you, that's all you have to that, do. That's very good. I don't. Did you see that um, list? Oh, sorry, when you said Piers Morgan, it made me think of that list of. Uh, I guess it's a Vegas odds. They have like a, you can bet on who <laughs> on who will replace Alex Trebek, uh, doing hosting Jeopardy. Yeah. Yes, and, I've, and, I've loosely heard about this. And okay. Piers Morgan is on the list, but I he is very low down. He's like he's like in the. I think the he is one of the most distant, like one one. One sixty six or whatever, one in sixty six or whatever. Well, I know Donald Trump is also on the list. I don't think so. Yeah, he's he's on the list. Donald Trump is on that list. That was trending on Twitter a little while ago. Oh, I don't didn't see his name on there. I looked and then, down uh, it. Joe, Joe Rogan was like way down. He on was the number. List he was the very last one. Yes, but he he oh, used, okay. he had the same odds as Piers Morgan. And there's a whole bunch that kind of share at the bottom, but they're just in alphabetical order. And Joe Rogan's name as R was at the last place. So what do you need for, by the way, rest in peace, uh, Alex, Alex Trebek. He was great. Who, my, my favorite uh, Alex Trebek uh, uh, game show, though, was High Rollers. Okay. Because it was it was the one that I would watch when I was had the flu and involved dice, and I loved gambling mm. as a kid. And so they'd, uh, it would be, you know, just a, a yes or no question about something, you know, which is the most blah, 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 or it would be like three options or a yes or no or something. And then you'd roll dice, and you have to take numbers off a board. That's... Whatever, but uh, he had a nice afro, and he was really kind of swinging. And it was the show was a little dirty, <laughs> a little dirty as okay. well, which I, which I knew about and I liked. Um, so, uh, so, so yeah. Um, who? What? What do you need? Do you think to host Jeopardy? Like, uh, why are they looking for a celebrity? That part I don't get. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense because you you don't like. I think I think that's what makes what makes a good game show host is someone who is almost a blank slate. You know, like they're not—they're not there to be the the the, the person of attention. No one wants to pay attention to them, right? Well, Pat Sajak is uh, uh, nothing. Like, I mean, he's—he's he's a human being and he's got a soul and he deserves yeah, yeah. respect. Yeah, yeah. But when he did a talk show, you went like, "Oh, he's got nothing to say at the end." And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's because he's a good game show like, host because he doesn't want—he yeah. doesn't get in the way of the people who are actually interesting, who are the contestants. Those are the right. that's that's the interesting thing. Whether it's the drama of of the 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 game or the character of the contestants, that is what's that is what's interesting. Not the host. Like no well, one. Well, it depends what you want. Like if you're doing something like a Family Feud, then you want a comedian probably. 
because it's all it's all basically jokes. It's it's playing up the humor of things. Sure, sure. And uh, and you need that. So a Richard Dawson or a Steve Harvey or yeah, yeah. Louis Anderson or whoever you're going to sure, get. That, that, that works. That works. But that I works. don't know if uh, Drew Carey necessarily works on Price is Right. I mean, he's fine, but he's not Drew Carey, or he shouldn't be Drew Carey. He should just be like some some schlub who's doing the show. Like it doesn't really matter who does it. You're just there to. You know, the reason people like Bob Barker is because he's no one. Like he has no, he doesn't really, he doesn't insert himself into the show. I guess he. No, he's got confidence, but uh, he doesn't. Yeah. He hopes the best for people. I guess that may, what makes us have some affection for him. But why, why you feel affection for him is he's hosting a show you like. Yeah, there's no reason to have Wayne Brady on. Let's make a deal. No, there's just no, there's no reason. You're wasting Wayne Brady. Wayne Brady could be doing so many things. Yeah. And it's like, no, just get a get a Wink Martindale sure. type in. Yeah, yeah. No, we don't Monty Hall, like the original guy, like just you know. Yeah. He wasn't funny. Like he was you, nothing. Like you can also get, say, like a Peter Marshall or uh, what's this, Gene Rayburn. Like uh, again, we're talking old timey now. Uh, but those were the kind of guys that would facilitate the perverts. Yeah. Which was good. Like they'd uh, they'd do a good setup for the pervert celebrity to do the kind of pervert or pervy line, and uh, then like ah, they give a little of that. They'd enjoy it. They wouldn't. Uh, poo-poo it or go shame on you but they'd like to know that it was the wrong thing to say you shouldn't be saying this on television but of course you know it's all planned and it's all fine and they're all drunk so who cares <laughs> uh yeah i just like uh, i think the number one like the number one name was ken jennings of course the the goat of uh jeopardy the greatest of all time obviously yeah i guess so but yeah and i i the only thing i i don't know if he really has the personality to do it but uh, the one thing he has going for him, which is, I think, a criticism of Alex Trebek, was that he seemed that his when he gave the answers, people often said he was seemed condescending to the to the contestants. Like, do you really know this, Alex? Like, any more than the people who are competing on this? Like, you just know because you have the question, you have the answers in your hand. You don't have to seem so smart about smug about it. Whereas Ken Jennings, he can be smug all day long because he probably does know all those questions. <laughs> he doesn't need anyone's help to to get to to get that. But I don't. Once again, it doesn't really. It, there's there's no like nothing wrong with him doing it, I guess. But but yeah, like I mean, the reason they brought in Alex Trebek was that he was he did reach for the top. Yeah, and he could like hold cards in his hand and ask and ask and answer questions. That's yeah. He did a he did a pseudo like a, a sizable amount of game shows. Before. Listen, they're just gonna go with Maya Bialik. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. They're gonna go with Maya Bialik uh, one because she's a genius. Uh, she's popular her Big Bang Theory. She's gonna do a sitcom uh, this this season. But it's about her running a cat cafe. So that's not lasting. <laughs> that's a two-monther okay. So they've already filmed right. as many episodes as they're going to be, so she can... Yeah, like right now, the ad for it is her coming on and going like, I run a cat cafe. I think the sitcom is perfect. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. And then, uh, <laughs> it's, okay, well, just it's just no. Yeah. It's like going out to sea you know, in a boat full of holes. Like, there's just <laughs> it's not, not going to happen. Yeah. So, so you know, she's going to need some work. And uh, there you go. We're not going to have also, we're not going to have like a real bland looking white guy uh, hosting Jeopardy. That's not happening. 2020. That's not occurring. So, yeah, who are we going to get? Maya Bialik. Ah, that's fine. Her name sounds, uh, you know, exotic. Uh, everyone likes her. Uh, they know she's smart. No one's going to go, hey, you don't know nothing. Uh, she'll, <laughs> you know, she'll break your brain with something that she says. Yeah. So it's, it's, all, it's all, all fine and good. Yeah, okay. that'll, be, that'll be a thing. Well, I, or it could be hosted by that that uh, computer 
that uh, that uh, that played Jeopardy. That would be interesting. Okay. Was it Deep Blue? Was, was it Deep Blue? That, like, I want to say it was Deep Blue, but I know it's not Deep Blue. That's the thing. Of course it's not Deep Blue. Deep Blue just plays chess. Hello. I am <laughs> Deep was, Blue. Uh, like, Welcome to Jeopardy. Uh, yeah, it was some... Uh, it was... Uh, what the heck was it? Jeopardy Computer. I gotta look that up. Here are it's, our uh, categories. Potent Potables. Watson. That was its name. <laughs> What's the name? Boxen? Watson. Oh, Watson. Oh, Watson. Okay. Watson. Oh, that's right. So they went with the smart one. I'm now looking up uh, Alec Trebek uh, uh, game shows. I remember like uh, classic concentration. I used to like. Okay. He also did to tell the truth. High Rollers, fantastic. Uh, Wizard of Odds. Okay. Odds. I get it. Uh, Double Dare, which I don't think was connected with the uh, other Double Dare show. Okay. And Battle Stars. Mm. Battle Stars. Oh yeah, Battle Stars. Yeah, and it was a real spacey uh, type uh, type thing. Like it looked like they were all. Uh, in some sort of space capsules. I, yeah. I honestly don't remember that. Yeah, it was uh, celebrities. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it just look it up, everybody. Look up Battle Stars and also the new Battle Stars. You'll see. You'll see what I'm talking <laughs> about. Um, right. Rod Roddy was the announcer. Huh. Yeah, I was not. I know you were, but I wasn't much of a game show kid. Loved them. <laughs> I know. I was more of a. I was more of a talk show kid. I love talk shows, especially, so, especially okay. afternoon talk shows. But, well, okay, so you like a Merv Griffin? Love Merv Griffin, love Mike Douglas. Like a Mike Douglas? So yeah. Dinah Shore. Dinah Shore was great, yep, yep. And mm-hmm. uh, you ever you ever watch a, an Alan Thicke or a Don Heron or I any watched, of those guys? I watched um, the original Alan Hamill show, yeah, I watched the Alan Hamill show. And I watched I watched Alan Thicke, but I didn't really like Don Heron very much. I didn't like... No, it didn't really work. No. You're right. And then uh, I liked Irwin Glover. <laughs> that was a long time ago. What was that? What was Irwin Glover? He was that? on CBC. He came on, strangely enough, he came on like at noon after Sesame Street. And that's probably why I started watching it, because it came on after a show I liked. And I would watch the Irwin Glover show on uh, CBC. Are you looking Are you looking up Irwin Glover? I'm looking, no, I'm looking up Alan Hamill. Okay. I'm looking up Alan Hamill and seeing what, uh, how, how he started. Yeah, that. That was it. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, he used to host a show called. Yeah, he hosted Razzle Dazzle with a talking turtle, and then uh, yeah, he did his uh, his talk show, uh, and uh, then uh, left to manage uh, the career of Susan uh, Suzanne Summers, Suzanne Summers, wife, yeah. yeah. Uh, and said like, you know what? I, I, I'm going to get you a better deal at uh, Three's Company. Let me go talk to them. What do they say? Well, you're fired. So anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's leave. I'm, let's go. So they they, they left and. And, you know, she's done okay since. It's been fine. Yeah. She's the sheriff, thigh master, uh, other things. <laughs> she's on Instagram now. Okay, good for her. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. She's fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Who are you to judge? <laughs> um, he, he did an episode of Lou Grant. It's, it's fine. Everything's It's great. All great all around. So... Yeah, that's why. That's who. I, but he was. I remember liking him because he was so bland that it just seemed like it's sort of weird, right? That was a different time. Like you could. I don't think you could do that nowadays. Is have like afternoon, not just have afternoon talk shows, which they can't have. But I mean, like local afternoon talk shows. It seems so weird to me. Well, like, it was. You know how nowadays you watch TV, but you don't just watch TV. Well, you do, but other other people <laughs> uh, don't. Uh, who, who they're on their phone at the same time. Ugh, so annoying. Things. Quit it. I feel I feel that uh, afternoon shows then 
weren't to be watched. They were to have on yeah. while you did other things in the house. Yeah, they're for ironing. And... Like, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, Paul Lynn. Oh, let's, uh, oh, ah, he's dirty. He's dirty. One day he'll find the right lady. And then you go, go back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you're right. No one was gay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're right. The, I always like the really annoying uh, things. Like, as a kid, I, I really enjoyed like the kind of more... I don't know, kitschier elements of shows like the Mike Douglas show and stuff. Like I liked when they had like, like bigger rock stars on like David Bowie. I remember David Bowie and Iggy Pop being on the dinosaur show. And I remember, um, I think John Lennon was on John Mike Lennon. Douglas was on Mike Douglas yeah. and Mike Douglas was asking him all these like really like eager questions as if, as if John Lennon knows anything, but it was just so funny to this sort of idea like, Oh, Oracle, tell me the truth. You know, well, tell us where the kids are these days, you know, it doesn't like that kind of, those kind of questions, you know, and it's just, you know, John Lennon's too polite to say, like, I don't know. <laughs> I live in an apartment in New York. What do I know? But, uh, yeah, no, it's just, it's so, uh, it's, it's so, it's just so great because it's so bad. What I, would, what I would like was, like, a Merv Griffin when they'd have a theme show and they'd uh, bring, like, all the uh, people from Gilgan's Island on. Okay. Or, yeah. equally, I would like this, and he did this fairly regularly, he'd have the All Magician show because mm. uh, he loved magic. He did so, love magic. Yeah, you're right. You know, it would just be all these all these magicians and uh, for the whole thing, I'm like, ah, oh, this is great. Yeah. Just fantastic. I mean, because otherwise there would always be like an author or a band or something awful. Yeah, I like that kind of oh. stuff. But I like that stuff too. Like, it's just so weird. Like, this Truman Capote. Like, like where's your first ex- exposure to these people, right? Like, Well, how old are you when you're liking Truman Capote as a kid? I'm not liking him. I'm just interested in it. Like, I'm not suddenly okay, going up. I'm, I'm not jumping up and like, saying, I need to read. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen you, like, as eight, eight years old, just going, Hey, Ma! Sorry. I'm watching Truman Capote. Hey, Mom, get me In Ma. Cold Blood! I want to read In Cold Blood, Mom! Uh, no, I just I just found it interesting. Like, I was a, I was a, um, what do you call it? What do you call me? A, uh, a precocious child. So I, I enjoyed things that were far beyond my years. And so, yeah, and I liked when authors came on and slumped in chairs and talked to Dinah. And, and I liked when, like, weird-looking musicians came on, like Iggy Pop and David Bowie. or or uh, And I loved when comics came on. Like, I love stand-up comedy. So, you know, like, David Brenner would come on. And I remember Steve Martin was, like, a regular guest on the Merv Griffin show. He, like, loved that show. And he'd come out, like, I remember coming out and, like, all dressed in white with this big, giant, like, kind of camel hair coat, you know, that he's... And with sunglasses on and acting like he's an Italian, some sort of like famous Italian director or something like that. That's kind of like his whole, putting on this whole kind of persona of like, you know, exaggerated fame and, and, uh, and, um, you know, just a, it's a sort of like dis- disgusting amount of like, you know, ego. And it's just great. It's just fantastic. You know? Well, when you mentioned David Brenner, like I always think of David Brenner with his fur coat. Because he would unironically <laughs> wear a gigantic fur coat. It meant he was successful. It's yeah, he, 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 he was. There yeah. you go. Look at that giant fur coat. Man, he was successful. There you go. Like I remember seeing yeah, like that's... like uh, Jimmy JJ Walker doing a stand up, and and uh, I remember seeing like Billy Crystal, and and man, yeah, it was just you know I wouldn't say like like you know I'm not gonna like claim that was the greatest age of stand up comedy, but when you're a kid and you love comedy, you know like not every movie you watch is gonna be a comedy, and not every you know not every but you know that was like oh here's here's a place where comedians come so I, I if i watch every day i might see more comedians also i'll get to see music which i loved as a kid i love music so you know i can remember seeing like marshall crenshaw and the merv griffith show mysteriously playing a guitar 
and singing with no other band in sight, and yet his and yet drums were audible. Very mysterious. <laughs> I couldn't understand how that worked as a kid. I decided to myself, I guess the band's behind the curtain. That's how I reasoned that one out. It, it didn't occur to me that it would be lip syncing. I just thought, oh, I guess the band's hidden behind the curtain, and so this is all the focus can be on this one person. Well, I like to I like talk shows so much. I went, I skipped out of school and would go to them on the regular. Sure. You know, I'd go to see I would go see the Alan Thicke show and the and, uh, John Heron show. I was too young for the Alan Hamill show. Yeah. Uh, and, but yeah, you could see uh, Jay Leno, Jerry Seinfeld. Cool. Uh, went with my grandmother once. Uh, saw George Wallace. It's the hardest I've ever seen her laugh. <laughs> watching George Wallace. That's great. So good. You know, and then you'd, you'd just be like. And afterwards, you go and uh, eat at the kind of commissary there. Okay. Because, you know, you could, you, you're a human being. You can buy food. Yeah. And, and you're sitting, like, you know, a uh, table behind you. It's Wayne Gretzky. Wow. And you're like, this is neat. This mm-hmm. is neat. Manny looks like Princess Diana. This is neat. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the amount of times I saw Pete Verbooty. Oh, my gosh. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I remember that was a big one. Because it was just like, good God, he's tall. <laughs> like, like, like too tall. Like you just keep looking up and it starts to hurt your neck a little bit. And you're like, I should stop looking up. I haven't hit head yet. I was like, oh, that's too, too tall. It's much too- <laughs> I, yeah. it, I didn't, I mean, I knew about that show and I would watch it in the afternoons when I could, but it would never occur to me to like skip school to go to, go to do that. Well, here's the other thing that you get out of it. It's like when you, when you go, you get to see like, uh, usually they shoot like three a day, maybe four a day okay so you get you can go to as many of those as you want yeah so that's nice but they'll they'll put you in a different area but at the end of every show they'll draw uh, from what your ticket is and they gave away a sizable amount of prizes oh nice but it was it was stuff like you know macaroni and underpants <laughs> and uh, you know huh. just stuff that people uh, keep brought from home i guess <laughs> <laughs> it was stuff that the sponsors the, the crew were, the crew had to bring you know, stuff in every day yeah, don't, like don't forget to bring in some stuff for the giveaway at the end of the shows, guys. But I, I kind of cleaned up, you know, because I was there so often yeah. that I did. I had like quite a bit of weird stuff like that, to, <laughs> uh, you know. That's cool. uh, and yeah, it was. It was actually it was the first time I like had really nice underwear too. Yeah. So I'd be like, oh, this is comfortable. Why am I wearing anything but this? <laughs> this is this is glorious. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Pete Barbuti. Oh, might have drawn that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Pete. Here, here's my here's my problem with Pete Barbuti. Um, let was, let uh, me suck it some, to me. Okay, uh, some friends of mine uh, did a version of the Liars Club with Pete Barbuti. Okay. Um, and the Liars Club is, uh, you know, there's regular people, and then uh, like uh, they tell all tell a story, and then the regular people have to guess which is the which is the correct story. Okay. And if they if they guess correctly, they win a prize and such and such. And so I had some friends that were celebrity enough to do the show. Celebrity enough in Canada. Uh, and <laughs> Pete Barbuti, uh, and they were also women. And, and, ah. uh, and Pete Barbuti uh, never really respected them at all, which, you know, okay, you're a bit of a snob, that's fine. But then one day uh, they were talking about how, uh, you know, he played Vegas uh, a, a lot. And he went like, oh, yeah, you guys could, could just make so much money in Vegas. And uh, and they were like, oh, you know, we could bet uh, that that's not, like like what like what are the opportunities? Well, just like you know, just the pro- the prostitution there. It's just like you know, you're so pretty in the face. You have such a youthful look that you would. You could get used up there in no time. Yeah, it's like yeah, you guys could be prostitutes. 
prostitutes. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Pete. Who is We're, Pete? Uh, I don't know who this person is you're talking about. You don't know Pete Burbidi? No. Uh, he is a uh, musician and comedian who probably, if you saw him, uh, you would go, oh, uh, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's let's see what he's let's see what he's most famous for. All right, uh, American comedian musician made about fifteen appearances on the Tonight Show. Uh, he had a short-lived variety show called Pete's Place. Uh, yeah, he, you know, he's like on everything. He was on Burke Griffin, Joey Bishop show. Uh, you know, uh, I don't think so. Uh, Steve Allen Playhouse, everything. Uh, and yeah, he would play the uh, piano, accordion, and trumpet, and uh, do kind of risque jokes. If you saw him, you'd go ah. Yeah, that may be the case. I, I I might remember him through that, but the name is not yeah. ringing a bell. But that is no sign of anything other than my advanced age. Uh, it says here uh, on his Wikipedia page, among his better known routines are accordion school about an accordion teacher who sells a lot of accordions, but whose students never seem to learn much. The Mustang Ranch about legalized prostitution in <laughs> Nevada, and a number of piano-based gags such as tuning the piano stool and using the business end of a plumber's helper stuck to the side of a piano as a cigar holder. I do remember seeing him do that many a time. Uh, you know, a man, among his better known jokes is the story of the pig with a wooden leg. Okay. I do remember seeing him do that joke at least twice. So, yeah. Is, you know the, is a plumber's the helper you know a euphemism for a toilet plunger? Why can't you just say a toilet plunger? No, no plumber's helper is another way of saying uh, Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the, you know the pig with a wooden leg, right? Uh, yes. Classic joke. Uh, pig that... Pick that good you can't can't eat all at once. That would be that would be the punchline to the joke. And that is how you tell a joke. <laughs> well, I thought you were asking if I knew it. I'm just saying, yeah, I know it. Sorry. I, I did, yeah. Okay. You know, it's a bit of a setup to maybe we would tell the joke. But no, you're right. That is the punchline <laughs> to it at the end. Okay, great. I'm sorry. Anyway, Rose is uh, please enjoy the movie, everybody. Bye. I didn't know we were gonna tell it. I no, I just thought, oh, we I don't really we don't often tell jokes in the show, so I just kind of thought, well, you know, we're probably not gonna tell it, so I'll okay, just... now you're identify that, that i know the, it of the yeah, we're going with the idea that our, our audience is so well versed in jokes yes that that's just right need to tell the punchline exactly joke, exactly which, which then makes me think of the old joke yeah. which is uh the the club that knows every joke in the world and so all you have to do is say the number and then uh so someone just like in the middle of uh you know thing goes uh 13 and everyone like, ah that's a good laugh <laughs> and then someone goes 265 like ah really really, really laugh and someone goes like uh 72 and everyone laughs. And then one guy is just falling off his chair laughing. He's like crying on the ground. And uh, it's like, why is he laughing so much? Oh, he, I don't think he heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Hey, That's good. Yeah. Almost as good as the joke I spoiled, which is a good, which is a good joke. It's okay. No, it's fine. It's a good joke. Sorry, everyone. It's okay. I didn't mean to blow hey, it. Dave, I made the... <laughs> Feel bad. Feel bad. Dave, why'd you, th why'd you throw all the food in the toilet? <laughs> oh, I, it was going to end up there anyway. What were we going to? Why? Oh, oh, you want a full meal? That's <laughs> all right. I'm sorry. No, I, it's absolutely. I apologize. It's absolutely fine. Here was here is something this week as I was mentioning. Like I had a little bit of uh, we had a little bit of a scare with our with our with our cat uh, where uh, we took him into the vet like three weeks ago and it was like yeah it's fine everything's fine. Uh, it was just a regular checkup. And then uh, he was, he, he just was acting a little oddly. Uh, like he was looking at his food and not eating it, like just this one day. And then all of a sudden his head started uh, kind of a, had a tremor to it. I was like, oh, okay, we should, we should 
do something about this. So we we called our regular vet, uh, but it was late. It was late at night, and they said you should go to the emergency uh, vet and get that checked out. So we did, and it was a long process. And it was it was quite scary, um, but uh, things turned out okay. It turns out that he had uh, pancreatitis, okay, and uh, and so that was causing him some pain. And so now he's on uh, just so many pills uh, for about a week uh, until that settles settles down. I mean, that's the nice thing about pancreatitis is it's very curable. Oh, that's good. So, that's good. So is it like a, yeah, an, yeah, an yeah, inflamed pancreas? Is that the? Yeah, it's an inflamed pancreas. Yes. Okay. So, uh, so you know, we're, we've got him on uh, painkillers and antibiotics, yeah. and uh, and we're we're now doing the thing where we're on like we give him. A, pills some pills at six and six some at 12 and 12 and there's another one that's a random one so it's a lot of this random waking up and then trying to figure a way of getting a pill into a cat's mouth <laughs> which normally we just put it into a little pill pocket and he'd eat it but the problem is the antibiotics kill his appetite okay so yeah so no dice on that so it's been uh, it's been a heck of a lot of fun um <laughs> and the other thing is because because it's uh, COVID times, yeah, uh, you can't go into the vet, so you have to stand outside with other people with you know their empty cat carriers or you know waiting. To, you know they if they have an animal, they will give the animal, and so the animal doesn't have to be in the cold. But you do, um, so so it was like, like you know standing outside freezing. We went into the car, yeah. Uh, you know at one point at one point because it was taking hours, it was like oh man, I really got to use the washroom. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, asked them and it was like, no, no, we can't, you can't use the washroom. Like, oh, okay. And, uh, and I'm just going to lay out how much money we spent that night, yeah. which was a uh, $1,400. It was a $1,400 thing. Yeah. So I'm like, right, $1,400. I got to pee in the alley. Like, really? <laughs> okay. And then I was thinking to myself, like, boy, you can get 10 hotel rooms for that. I really should just splurge <laughs> and just like get a hotel as well. In fact, they're probably cheaper now with the COVID, like people yeah. not staying. Yeah. I could get a nice fancy room. Yeah, nice fancy room. That'd be pretty good. Uh, and then I could have a pool. I could all this. Anyway, anyway, back to what we're doing. Here. <laughs> anyway, we're racing back to 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 our to our place. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was this. Uh, the only the only problem with it now is uh, uh, he's a little altered because of all the drugs, and so it's uh, there's two things. One, it's the waking up and giving pills. Uh, because we had to go through this with two of our cats previously. And mm. so we're kind of getting flashbacks, and it's kind of a little bit hard with that. We're just remembering yeah, that. And yeah. so it's, 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 it, that's kind of rough. And it's also rough, like, when you know your cat or your, any of your pets, I suppose, and they're not acting like themselves except in little short bursts, and then they kind of come back, and then they go away again. And you're like, oh, yeah, he's, not, he's just not himself. And I'm not uh, – it's just, it's just such a weird – feeling to have your your pet not connect with you yeah and just like you see him like kind of looking looking to the side of you and just not 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 totally there yeah so it's been it's been kind of an emotionally draining it, it happened like the day after the election you know uh we're like yeah all right oh geez i'm exhausted by this whole oh god that was a lot holy cow how, how's the cat do? what the, what's going on with the cat okay well off we go yeah to you know Two, two in the morning to five in the morning, out in the freezing cold, you know, doing all this stuff, and then I had to, and then we were told uh, that they spotted something maybe that might have been an obstruction uh, in his intestine. So okay. we we're going to have to have a uh, ultrasound the next day. So we had to go the ultrasound, which turned out to be fine, 
and nothing and everything was okay. But it was, but we've also had in the past bad news about ultrasounds in our pets. So it was, it was like, oh, geez, it's just this thing that really is, is a real trigger thing for me is uh, my wife's phone ringing, us putting it on speaker and hearing a lot of information from a vet and then trying to determine whether or not it's really bad news or really good news. Yeah. And it's, it's also, okay, so here's what's going on. Just say off the top, good news, bad news. Yeah. Just give us, give us, a, give us like the, uh, the, the blanket statement, you know, uh, generally it's good. There's one, you know, just something, but they, they, they went through everything in the order that they looked at it. And it's just like, don't, don't build suspense, man. Just, just tell us what it is. Uh, but yeah, it all, it all has generally turned out okay. I won't be sleeping much for the next couple of days. Uh, he seems, he seems okay, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a little bit of a, ugh. yeah, yeah. And, uh, and there's, and there's nowhere to pee in Vancouver at two in the morning. <laughs> there are alleys. There are alleys. Yeah, I was, I, I know I was asking like, is there any place around here that could, uh, gas station maybe? It's like, nope, there isn't. There is no gas station. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. And apparently, I'm the first person to have ever had this problem. In <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. Anyway, so that was my little adventure with that. Uh, um, and uh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad it sounds like it's okay. Yes. You know, it was. Uh, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. It's like you were talking last week. Uh, you know about uh, Risa. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know. And and so that was that was on my mind as well. Mm. Thinking about that, just like you know, it's a shame that cats have to get older. It's like yeah, yeah but this is. is what this is part of it. This is part of it. This is part of it. This is what we take on when we when we decide we want a pet. Of course, yes, this is part of the yeah. pet ownership. And you can't you can't uh, slough it off, you know. And well, now it's time to get rid of this pet. I don't want to have to deal with this part of the the whole thing. No. Nope. Well, this was something my wife was telling me was. She moved so much when she was young yeah. that she didn't really have to go through the saying goodbye to pets because they would have to leave the life they had behind. And one of the things was then they'd have to give the, the their pets away to someone someone else because they you know because that was the the life that they they led. Yeah, it was like, okay. Now we're all leaving. Now we're leaving. We're leaving the country. We're leaving the city. We're leaving the go 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 go. So aside from also having to like make all new friends again that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh yeah you never really got a chance to say goodbye to your pet it was uh yeah that's it was just, that is that sounds harder to me though than i mean saying goodbye to them when they die of course that's super sad and heartbreaking but it it's also super sad and heartbreaking just to, to leave them you mm-hmm. know and, and have no like like there is some closure when you're you have a pet and you have it your whole life you know and of course for me my the most devastating one for me was when my when my dog that i grew up with died whose name was Scamp. Mm-hmm. You know, I had him from when I was six years old to when I was 20. Excellent, excellent dog. He was a great dog, yes. Thank you for saying that. And, yeah, so, you know, for 14 years of my life, my most, like, formative life, you know, he was with me. He would he would lay on the couch with me when I listened to music, and he would, you know, he liked to eat my magazines when they came in the mail, which I was, didn't think was that great, but what the heck. And then, you know, but he was just, like, a constant companion. You know, we, I walked him, and I... He was our, he was my friend, and and then of course he had to die when I was twenty on Boxing Day, and mm-hmm. that was you know, and that of course was very sad and very heartbreaking, and I cried quite a bit. But you know, I'm glad that I was able to like have him that whole time, you know, from beginning from puppy to to the to the end of his life, 
Yeah. And it would be worse to me if we were moving and I just had to like give him to someone. <laughs> Here, you take oh this. Oh my gosh, this, yeah. You know, that seems even worse to me than, than, uh, than the loss of a, of a pet, which, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not, and I'm not saying that's easy. I'm, I know, I'm saying that it's very hard to lose pets, but it's just, I don't know. It just feels like at least, at least it's a, the circle of life, you know, like you've got the whole experience there. Yeah. I think Pia had yeah, it worse. I, I just know these, uh, so many people that, had to move yeah. and then the place they move into doesn't take pets. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, well then he can't move there. It's yeah. like, yeah, but we got to. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh. yeah, like I understand if you've got a family family, what are you going to do? Find a place that is a place, but just like, yeah, it's just, I just couldn't, I couldn't imagine it. I, yeah, couldn't, yeah, I yeah. just couldn't imagine it. I think there's a thing too, that happens with our pets where over time we become like, like a, I'm trying to like put how this feels, but like, you connect in a certain way with your with your pet. They say like with the with the cat, uh, you get kind of a language that only the two of you understand. Mm. Like cats bond with you in a way that like you get what they're saying, you, it gets what you're saying. Uh, you know, and uh, and you get so close in that way, and then when they pass, that, that half is gone, and it's not like a it's not a person, obviously, but <laughs> there's something definitely missing. There's a connection that you had that is gone. Yeah, and uh, and right now because my cat is so drugged, yeah. it's like I, I, you know, it's not my cat isn't there sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Even though my cat is there, and I'm, you know, I'm still snug with him, and you know, make making him comfortable and everything. Mm -hmm. But it's like, oh, it's weird when he's gone. But then when he's back, he sees me, and I can say like, oh yeah, you see me. All right, we see each other, we get each other, and he can do small little things, and I'll understand what he's talking about, and I'll do small little things of, oh, it's time for that, is it? It's like. <laughs> You just bond and bond and bond, and then at some point, when you really, really know each other, then it goes away, and that's the one, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. about uh, about uh, having a pet. Unless you've got a bird, in which case, you know, it's going to outlive you. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not that keen or, or on having tortoise. a bird myself, but or a tortoise. It feels, I don't know, it feels kind of something not quite. I don't know how to describe it, but you know, like a dog or a cat. I, I would I would feel more of a connection to than I would to a bird or a fish or I've a heard turtle. This, though, about yeah, I've heard this about um, about cats though. Before I had a cat, which yeah. is like cats don't give a damn. Well, that's they not, don't care. That's not that's not true. Not at all. Not true at all. <laughs> and the people I know that have birds, yeah, you know, they'll be like, no, they're really smart. Like, yeah, they, yeah. They pick up on stuff. And if you treat a bird bad, yeah, uh, it will go crazy. Huh. Like it will really be mentally damaged and it will, oh, really? you know, start fur, uh, not fur, uh, feathers. Yeah. It'll uh, be stressed. And yeah, you gotta like, you gotta treat a bird really, really it'll well. Start, it'll start picking now, at its fur coat. Yeah. It's like, oh, wait a second. It was a reincarnated David Brennan. <laughs> I want to tell you some jokes about is it Seinfeld. It's very close. <laughs> very close. Very close to Seinfeld. But it's not quite Seinfeld. Seinfeld is still alive. When Seinfeld dies, he will reincarnate as a, as a bird as well. As yeah. all comedians, a bird with a bird with running shoes. <laughs> He's comfortable. Let yeah, him be comfortable. That's fine. Well, that's fine. Yeah, sure. Why not? Well, I, I'm I, I I sent you a thing on Pete Barbuti that uh, Cliff Nesteroff wrote. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So now you're going to get the deep dive on. The I'm Barbuti. going to get the deep dive. Thank you. Something to read while, at, while I'm having lunch tomorrow. It is weird uh, sort of knowing Cliff Nesteroff and like sort of knowing someone who knows everything about comedy. Just going, <laughs> ah, I should take advantage of that in some way at some point. Just pick his brain on some things. But no, I'm not going to because I'm late. <laughs> I, I got to give my cat a bunch of drugs. I'm fine. 
Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, what I'd want to ask someone who is, like, knowledgeable about all com- comedy. Yeah. He's like, he, he knows so much. Yeah. So much. I mean, of course, he then just, he'd just go read my books. But, like, he, you <laughs> know. Rich. Why are you asking me questions? I got a bunch of books. Oh. Yeah. Like, nah, I don't want to read books. I'm not more of a, I'm not much of a reader. I'm more of an asker. So, anyway. <laughs> what was Phyllis Diller's deal? <laughs> What was her deal? Was it was it making money? Oh, she was making money. Okay, probably. Yeah, it was her so, thing. Um, she got a shtick, go and she 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 rode that shtick right into the ground. She oh, well, I mean, good, good on her then. Yeah, like you know the uh, her little uh, cigarette holder and her gloves and her whole like like lady at a garden party style look, but of course it was just like sort of a demented lady at a garden party. Look, Here's what I would ask him. Okay. Uh, because I, I always thought, like, you know, uh, Joan Rivers and Phyllis Diller had a similar vibe, which okay. is like, no man would have me. Ha! You know, the little, uh, Joan Rivers. Her husband Fang, know, yes. Her husband, her husband Fang. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, oh, oh I'm so good. Oh, look at me. Uh, you know, that stuff. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. self-deprecating. Yeah. What I would I would ask Cliff Nesteroff is, uh, who were the... Uh, never really made it versions of Phyllis Diller and Joan Rivers. Okay. Because obviously there must have been people that went, I've got a gimmick, and here's my gimmick. Yeah, you yeah. Know, women who had a gimmick. You know, I'm the housewife who knows too much, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> I have the, you know, yeah. my husband thinks he's so great, but I'll tell you something about this. Well, it's more, the, know, for, it's more the forgotten stand Like, there's that uh, female uh, stand-up comic who was kind of pre-Phyllis Diller and Joan Rivers, and was pretty well known. I mean, I think she was on like the Ed Sullivan show and stuff like that. But she is like gone from our. I wish I could remember her name, Jean something. I but I, I'm just guessing. Okay. And but she is just like gone from our our, our psyche. Like she does not exist in a, as a, in a in a pop cultural way at all. Unlike Joan Rivers and Phyllis Diller, who kind of who kind of live on uh, uh, because their personas were so so effective. I guess as part of it. But but yeah, it's. Uh, I thought for. I thought for some reason you were going to bring up Margaret Smith, which is completely, you know, a, a very, very not well-known comedian, but just one of these comedians who did have a gimmick, which was the deadpan. Uh, I really deadpan. like. I really like Margaret Smith. I did too. Just like yeah. you know, a guy I came forgot up about to her me as well. The bar and said, "Can I buy you a drink?" And I said, uh, "No, but I'll take the five dollars." <laughs> yeah. She's a Stephen Wright of the uh, the feminine set. But yeah. But she was just someone who then stopped doing stand-up, just stopped doing it, which as you do, you do. But like that would be the thing I would I would ask is like someone who came in with you know an interesting gimmick, a little kind of gimmick theme act that then and then that you know just stopped, just stopped. Who are we? Who do we not know of that maybe we should know of that had like you know maybe a couple of hot years? Yeah. And just like, but they had a couple of hot years on you know Playboy After Dark. <laughs> and you know a couple of Tonight Show episodes that you'll never see because they got rid of most most uh, Tonight Show uh, you know video you know they didn't save it which they did they didn't save most of the Tonight Show um, so oh, really you know, gone yeah most most is gone some of some of them were saved you know which is what you're seeing on the best of episodes but you know uh, a huge amount of them uh, they just why would you save them what's the point what what's the thing. Yeah, and I yeah. say that going er as someone who, you know, almost <laughs> everything I did on TV on CBC in the '80s is absolutely got reused. And you know, we've talked in the past about how Monty Python they were going to do that to, 
you know, Monty Python's episodes as well. Yeah. So in that same mindset of who would want to see this later, why would this even be relevant? Yeah. You can't show that monologue again because the same news didn't happen again. So like uh, the night show is useless. So get rid of it. There's no point in, in keeping this. Re reuse tapes, reuse everything. Yeah. Yeah. There were some there were some comedians who you know made their debuts and did really great, and you don't see them. So I'm sorry. I looked up the name of this comedian. I was trying to think of it. It's Jean Carroll. Was her name? Okay. And, and she what was, was her uh, deal. She was one of the very first female stand-up comedians. It was a comedian in the '50s. Uh, yeah. So. I, but I would say someone that we don't really know about now. I mean, just, uh, she began performing solo in the early 1940s. So it's pretty early on for a for a stand-up comic, yeah. especially for a female stand-up comic. But and for one who's like gone gone out of our out of our memory. I mean, I also, sort of remember her just because I've, I've read the history of stand-up comedy many you know many different iterations of that, it. Was that was that stand-up comedy back then too? It's like when when again, Cliff Master off would know this. But like, uh, <laughs> was that officially stand-up comedy? Because it's a pretty, it's a pretty new uh, art form, you know, compared to a lot of like. There's monologuists, but like people who were doing jokes at uh, in vaudeville shows were not stand-up comedians. They they were joke tellers. They were comedians, but they weren't stand-up. Comedians. It was a different, uh, it was a different situation. And then uh, stand-up comedians were named after you know the the whole mobster thing of like he's a stand-up guy. Yeah, and, uh, and he's a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she, uh, you know, she performed uh, like you know solo on stage with a microphone, uh, telling her own jokes that she wrote okay. herself. So, I think that kind of counts as stand-up. So, I don't know if it would be different than what we have now in subject matter and delivery and whatnot. But you know, someone who is a pioneer. And it's funny because I was looking at before I I got her name on a, a different thing. It was like fifteen uh, comedian, you know, kind of pioneering female comics, and I was like, oh, she'd probably be in that. But she wasn't. So. <laughs> she wasn't. I think there was someone before her um, who was. Oh uh, uh, yeah, Mums Mabley was before her. Oh yeah, Mums Mabley for sure. Yeah, but that's but she's a, she's that, well known and remains well known. Yeah. But Carol was before Diller and Rivers. So. I also wonder, like, what makes what what makes a person get like what's the difference between someone who's got a gimmick and someone who like just catches the world on fire like. <laughs> You know, Phyllis Diller, who's, you know, it was a gimmick comedian. But yeah, like, yeah. was telling yeah. pretty stock jokes, but like, for sure. was doing it well. But then, you know, got, got like a movie career out of it. You know, she was <laughs> appeared in movies and she was yeah. on game shows forever. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, what, no. uh, what's, what's the difference? What's the goal? What's the, what, what, what makes this and what to, yeah, yeah. I think this dedication to, to the, uh, you know, like, you can. What gets you on the Muppet show? Yeah, just that drive. I mean, obviously, someone like Mar- Margaret Smith, although she was funny, did not have that drive. She eventually just went, nah, I'm good. Who was that other, um, she was a very soft-spoken comic, a female comic who worked in the 80s and not early 90s. Rita Rudner? Rita Rudner, yes. Very, very, very good. But where is she She's now? She's still I, working. Is she still working? Oh, oh that's good. Still, I'm glad to hear oh, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad to hear that. She's yeah. still, uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, Wendy, Lee, Wendy Liebman, I think, I, I follow her on on Facebook and she's still, uh, doing that. but yeah, Rita, Rita Rudner, I think, uh, I, I don't want to say that she, uh, she, she came into money, but I think she's doing all right. Okay. Yeah. She, she performs in, uh, Vegas. I see. Uh, she's yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. She's the longest running solo comedy show in Las Vegas. Oh, great. So she's okay. Good, good. Yeah, good for her. She's, 
Yeah. And she's married to, yeah, she's married to a British producer named Martin Bergman, and he's okay as well. Ah, so yeah. she's okay. Everything's Good. okay with Good. Rita Rudd. I'm glad, I'm glad. Yeah, I wasn't saying she was. I wasn't. I wasn't implying she was laying in a gutter somewhere. I was just wondering what happened to her. Okay, I'm just. Uh, you know, I've, I've had enough of your retina. Uh, <laughs> First of all, Mister, I don't know Pete Barbuti. Yeah, okay, whatever. Sure, you know. <laughs> I don't even own a TV. I okay, know Johnny I Barbata. I just don't know Pete Barbuti. <laughs> I know Barata Whatever happened to the you can call me Ray guy? What happened to him? Is he doing okay? Well, that was a gimmick that only lasted a very short time. But that guy did work a lot. That yes, he was a, a character actor, and I think he could find. And I do, I do remember again. It's a, such a weird show that occasionally I see uh, the David Steinberg show, an ex boss of mine. Um, <laughs> but the David Steinberg show, which yep. had everyone on SCTV basically before SCTV. Yes. But he also had that guy. You can call me Ray Guy. Okay. You know, playing a regular character. Sure. But also mm-hmm. uh, would occasionally uh, show up as the You Can Call Me Ray Guy. Ah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, do, do that whole bit. And the whole gimmick behind that show was there was, like, I believe a diner that was across the street from a TV studio, which is where David Steinberg would do his show. And, and I guess stop while he's doing his show and go to a diner and eat <laughs> and, and then go back and do his show and you could basically watch the show on a TV in the diner. Yeah. I, to me, hey man, just say there's a cafeteria in the building where you do your show. Maybe that makes more sense, but yeah. Uh, it's very. It was a very strange. Uh, it was a very strange show that. You can watch that show you, and you can watch Martin Short on it and you can think to yourself, I can't wait until he's on SCTV. Yes. But it would take him a while. It would. It would take him a couple of seasons. Yeah, he didn't yeah. start off. On he wasn't. A, he wasn't an original cast member, no. No, right. of course not. No, Harold Ramis yeah. was. Uh, Dave they, Thomas was. They Joe, even had. They even Flaherty. had like. They had Tony Rosada before, and, and Robin Duke before uh, they before, had Martin Short. Yeah, but Tony Rosado uh, and Robin Duke left to do Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Together, yeah. they both got cast to do Saturday Night Live, and it was after that, yeah, that you got uh, the. I believe you got Martin and, Short. Uh, Elizabeth. Uh, 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 Catherine O'Hara left, and um, John Candy left. So right, uh, Catherine O'Hara was there in the beginning. Same was uh, Andrew Martin. Joe Flaherty was, I believe, at the very beginning. Yep. Joseph O'Flaherty. Yep. Yes, he was. Um, and, You're forgetting uh, it was Father Joseph O'Flaherty. Yeah, and then uh, the first new person to join the cast was Rick Moranis. Mm-hmm. And and when I when I saw Rick Moranis, well, they kind of came cast, at the same time. Rosado. Duke and Moranis were showed up in that that season together. Right. So, but Moranis came to play. Like Moranis, oh came yeah, yeah, with a backpack full of you know <laughs> uh, characters, and was like, yeah. I was I I always look at like Rick Moranis and Martin Short as the two guys who like hit the ground running, and was, and same with Mike Myers. Like they they were all the people that, like joined. You know, with Mike Myers, it was Saturday Night Live. But like, yeah, where are you going uh, with this? where I'm going with this is, is this uh, that you, you don't show up and like I hope I can make some new characters up yeah, yeah. They, they show up with like I've got 17 characters yeah. here they are yeah. and like you know from the from the get go it wasn't playing the waiter and slowly building their way up it was ah, you know, right in there with their with as many characters as they well I think that's what I mean in Martin Short's case I, you know obviously Mike Myers came into a much more broken situation, but I think when Martin Short joined SCTV, he joined with the expectation that he was bringing a bag full. He didn't wasn't expected to be he wasn't expected to work his way up and 
some where you could, you know, now you can be a feature performer. No, it was just like, you're coming on, you're a feature performer. And I was watching a, it was a uh, sort of a remembrance, a special, you know, kind of a SCTV, remembering SCTV or whatever. And they interviewed Eugene Levy and Joe Flaherty, as well as um, Andrew Martin and Catherine O'Hara separately. I don't think anyone else was in it, but um, they were saying like when Martin Short joined that it was such a, you know, because they were all kind of tired by this point. You know, they were been doing the show for a few years, and they're just kind of like, ugh, this is a lot of work. You know, we have to live in Edmonton. This isn't great. And then Martin Short showed up, and it was just like, boom, like, oh, this huge energy. You know, just, uh, you know, just here we go again. Now we got some more energy. Well, yeah. when you're talking about uh, Martin Short joining SCTV, though, uh, you know, you had Billy Crystal, who was the star, like the star. Yeah. Then you had uh, Harry. I mean. No one really knew who Martin Short was. Oh no, I wasn't talking. You know, about, I wasn't talking about uh, Saturday Night Live. I was talking about. Uh, you said Mike Myers joining uh, SNL with like a, a trunk full of characters, but it took him yeah. a while to go from joining the show to bringing out his trunk full of characters for people to see. Whereas Martin, yeah, whereas Martin Short didn't yeah, really have to go through like a train, you know, like a quote unquote training, or you know, you you know, you wait your turn before you can get up on stage, kind of a situation. Yeah, I look yeah. at someone like a, a Mark McKinney. When he joined Saturday Night Live, yeah. and it took a long time until he did say Chicken Lady. Okay. And it was like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do new characters, and I'm going to build new characters, and I'm going to... And I'm like, no, 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 no. What do you, what do you got? <laughs> what are your hits? Yeah. Do your hits yeah. at first, because you're going to get lost in the in the background. And basically, his only kind of recurring character was like a fall that he did with um, uh, David something, a uh, fella who was in Brent Butt's uh, Not a Clue film. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you mean. Sorry, uh, they, they were they were a pair of fops. But yeah, okay. someone I look at someone like Mark McKinney and just go like, huh, you know that guy's a great sketch comedian, and yet on 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 SCTV, I'm oh, sorry, on Saturday Night Live, yeah, just never really, mm, just didn't get them, just didn't connect. To, the cogs didn't connect with uh, with that uh, situation. Same thing with you know Bruce McCullough tried to be on the show and you know did some little film stuff and just meh, just didn't really. Quite, quite go. Mark, Mark McKinney got fired from the show twice. Yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, no one can say that he's he was in a great uh, sketch uh, sketch performer, like one of the best actors on uh, Kids in the Hall by far. Mm-hmm. So yeah, who, yeah. Who knows? So yeah, what, what, I mean, it's probably you know, hard so? if you come from something that's successful, like Kids in the Hall, where you're like, you know, you're one of the big fish, and then you have to like re re remake yourself in a new situation. It's hard to even have that kind of energy, you know, where you're just kind of like, ugh, do I really want to? Well, wasn't that the same season that had Chris Elliott and Janine Garofalo and uh, and uh, and and Mike uh, Michael McKeon as well? I think it was. Okay, you know? I, I don't remember. I, I, th- I, I think it was. It's like all these amazing performers, and uh, they they just didn't connect. They just didn't. Uh, it just didn't uh, go. up. And it was like the was, Adam Sandler. Was Ben Chris Stiller Barley. there as well? Mm, uh, I think. Isn't that how he met? That time, isn't how he met? That Actually, I think that's how he met Garofalo, right? Okay, that uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, that could be. And again, people that didn't connect with uh, with Saturday Night Live is always an interesting thing to me too. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, doesn't work here, works great here. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just this. It's that. Uh, it's 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 the thing that uh, I dislike. Uh, you know, whenever someone goes, you know, this is your this is the one big break you get. It's like, no, no, there's lots of breaks. <laughs> there's lots of breaks. Yeah. You know, don't ever have anyone tell. Oh, yeah, there's one, there's one shot, kid. It's like no, no, no. There's no. Shut up, 
one shot. Get out of here, you. <laughs> well, as you know, I don't really watch Saturday Night Live very often. I didn't even watch it that much in its so-called glory days. But um, well, I was kind of curious. People were, were 17, yeah. I was curious when I was watching Ted Lasso, because Lisa was, of course, asking me, who is this Jason, Jason Sudeikis person? Who is he? And mm-hmm. I was like, well, we saw him in Colossal, and he has a part in some, you know, I was trying to remember other movies he's in that she might have remembered him from. Because I couldn't say, oh, he's on Saturday Night Live, because she would have no idea what I'm talking about, because that would involve staying awake or recording, might me recording the show. But uh, I was wondering what I was saying that about him being on Saturday Night Live. I was like, what did he do on Saturday Night Live? Like, like so there's some actors that, that I think of like Saturday Night Live people. And then I'm like, but like, they don't strike me as like character people, like Andy Samberg. Like, did he have like a character, like characters that he did? Did he, was he like, you know, the photocopier guy, you know, like. Andy Samberg? Yeah. He was the biggest star of Saturday Night Live when he was on, by far. By far. But what did he do? Uh, he he did the digital shorts. Okay, that's I, I remember those. But yeah, okay. So the, Lonely, the Lonely Island, Island stuff. People. Yeah, the Lonely Island people stuff. Yeah, okay. I mean, he basically. So he did just did like uh, a separate stuff that didn't really have much to do with the. Well, he would also do uh, sketches occasionally, but okay. Yeah, basically, Saturday Night Live was going through a rough patch, and then all of a sudden, he did Lazy Sunday with Chris Parnell, and YouTube was starting at around that time. Okay. Or really catching on around that time. Yeah. And it was the and and it was getting millions of views. And Saturday Night Live was irrelevant kind of around then. Yeah. And all of a sudden something on Saturday Night Live was getting millions of views and it really saved the show. So uh huh. that became a huge part of Saturday Night Live, the non live part. Yeah. Uh, was was the most important part. So he was really the most important part of the show for any time that he was on the series. Huh. And what did Jason Sudeikis do? Is he like a character guy or did he just sort of do like, like kind of whatever you needed? Do you need a policeman in a sketch? Do you need a, do you need yeah. a corporate was, guy? Uh, do you need a, he was like, he played like a, uh, George W. Bush, you know, he okay. played Joe Biden, uh, okay. but he'd be, he'd be really just, yeah, he'd be like, a, a, you know, a side guy in a sketch. Okay. You know, he would just be this charming, big, smiling side guy in the sketch who would just be, you know, just a regular, uh, regular guy and support, and he would do amazing support. Okay. Okay. Huh. Yep. Yeah, I was wondering. I mean, I was watching the show. I was kind of no like breakout, no breakout characters really. Yeah, yeah. He didn't have. He was. He had no. It's Pat or whatever. Like those sort of things. No, where he was like, oh, part every week. of a band called uh, 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 John Bovey, uh, where they with Will Forte, <laughs> okay. and the two of them would. Sing opposite Bon Jovi songs. Okay. Whatever the hit Bon Jovi songs, they'd sing a song that was like the opposite of that. Okay. Okay. They yeah. did, and they did that on, on SNL. That was on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Huh. Interesting. And then he had a big, uh, a big run on uh, Thirty Rock as uh, okay. Liz Lemon's uh, uh, love interest, uh, who was always kind of uh, ditching her. <laughs> uh, so he, but yeah, he's he's just one of these guys who's like a good guy who is a really good support guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. Question answered. Thank you. You're very welcome. My pleasure. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure any listeners out there are really eagerly leaning forward into their into their computer I think, or audio I think device. If, uh, Jim Carrey wasn't playing Joe Biden, he'd be playing Joe Biden. Okay. On Saturday Night Live. Now. Yeah. Huh. Is Jim Carrey yeah. doing a good Jim, Joe Biden, or is it a very broad, or just, um, or is it just Jim- a face? <laughs> Um, Jim Carrey is doing something as Joe Biden that's, uh, uh, it's very, it's surprisingly sincere, Okay. Uh, but they're doing it. Oh, oh, 
Okay, here's something they've been trying to pull off that uh, I don't think uh, that works rarely. All right. Which is they try to do a Jim Carrey thing within the Joe Biden. The, you know, uh, it, there was a thing that worked this year, this uh, week, where uh, they called uh, Donald Trump a loser and did it in a very Ace Ventura style. Okay. That uh, people connected with quite well. But they did a thing uh, with the Mike Pence with the fly on his head uh, where he was, uh, he was, uh, through, through a long story, ended up, you know, as Joe Biden on uh, Mike Pence's head. But then he turned into Jeff Goldblum for a bit. And I understand <laughs> why he would have done that, because he used to be the only guy in the world with a Jeff Goldblum impression. Okay. And it was a great Jeff Goldblum impression. But he did the Jeff Goldblum, and it wasn't a great Jeff Goldblum. Oh, just didn't quite nail it. Uh. So I was like, oh. And then uh, two weeks ago, he kind of went into a Clint Eastwood uh well while as joe biden yeah and he used to great clint eastwood and it was an okay clint eastwood but i don't know it's just something like he's not quite nailing it huh. uh so but it worked uh with him doing the ace venture ish type thing this week also because everyone was in a good mood you know because <laughs> the you know yes. the thing happening the uh elec- yes. you, you were talking about the election oh yes that thing yeah i mean you know trump's it's not leaving, but still, it's no, no. nice. It's nice and <laughs> some some are calling it the election, others are calling it the pre-coup. So that's uh, here's what I think they should do. This uh-huh. is what I think you should. Do. Okay, let's. Um, it's uh, it's kind of a, a a stings situation. So here's what you're gonna do. A stings you situation. Sting. S T I N G. Oh, sting. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, gotcha. The sting. Uh, so at some point, uh, Trump's got to leave to do something. I don't know what it is. Go for groceries see a porno. I don't know what, but he's going to leave <laughs> sure. the White House. Yeah. And then he's going to come back. In in between the time that he leaves and comes back, you build another White House in front of the White House. <laughs> you just build a fake White House. Yeah. yeah. So, like, almost like a roach motel. So, when he goes into the fake White House, yeah. you have inside there, uh, like, all these TV shows, like, say, The West Wing, they have a White House set. Yeah, it looks yeah. just like the Oval Office. Sure, sure. He, he won't know because he doesn't do any work. He doesn't open up the drawers. He doesn't know. As long as the bathroom works, he's not going to fucking know. Yeah. So he goes in and then he sits and then you just like have reporters go in and he talks to them and eh, who knows. And then when it comes to the day that it's time for him to leave, yeah. uh, the reporters quietly back out and lock the door. Uh, you get those helicopters to come and hook up the to the roof of the fake White House, yeah. and you fly it away. Okay. You fly it away, sure. and, uh, and, and uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris uh, go into the real White House. And I don't know where you put the fake White House. I don't, in the ocean, I don't think, something I, like that. I don't think the vice president lives in the in the White House, too. No, but okay. no, she's going she's gonna to show up for his first day. Okay, okay. Like, she's going to show up and like sure. check, check the things out. She's going to stay in the attic. Out. She's going to have... They have a spare room in the attic. She's going to live up there. They've got lots of rooms. They're fine. I know. <laughs> she's got her own joint. She's fine. <laughs> she'll be fine. And she'll be there with the first gentleman, or second gentleman, which is uh, cool that there's a, a second gentleman. Um, yeah. But I think that's what you do. You build a fake White House. Uh, <laughs> seems, very expensive, uh, seems like a very expensive ploy. Oh, it's going to be more expensive if you don't. Yeah. Okay, maybe so. Can it, can it just be a I car mean, he gets in and drives away? What, how, how do you... Trick him into oh you trick him into getting a car then lock the, the <laughs> things like a, that's things right. go down and a, he, it's basically car. a police car okay here's the other thing you could do yeah you could okay here's what you could do you could like uh, get a fake thermometer and then okay. uh, give him something to make him uh, get a sore throat 
and say, oh, no, you got the COVID again. So uh, so then the helicopters come and pick them up. And then you fly the helicopters uh, to some place and just fly them away. Because he'd get into the helicopters again. You know, he likes a nice helicopter, right? That'd be fine. Sure. Yeah. Here's the other thing. Um, you just get him on a ramp and leave him alone. And then he won't be able to go down the ramp. And then he just stays on the ramp and, until he fades away. That's also good. I like the idea, though, of a fake White House. That's fun. Let's do that. <laughs> All right, if you want. Okay. It's entirely up to you. If anyone's got a, a better way out there, you know, I'm, 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 I'm fine with hearing it. Um, speaking of, of uh, people and what they think, do you want me to read, read some letters, Dave? Ah, uh, sure. Okay. You should. You know what you should Just do. You know what you should do. No, tell me, Dave. What's up? You should read some letters. All right. Very good. Uh, so last week on the show. Uh, we were talking about uh, uh, what, how, how, how do you like to wake up? And how do you like to go to bed? And does your chewing gum lose its flavor on the bedpost overnight? Um, also, how, how much sleep do you uh, get in a night? We were talking, we must have been tired uh, that episode. Uh, it was stressful. We didn't know what the world was going to be like. We had no idea. We're in the middle of the, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Also, we were dealing with daylight savings time going away. It was dark. Uh, this pandemic as well. Uh, um, Scott McGinnis writes, Hi, Ian and David, and thank you for the sticker. Oh, sent some sticker. That's nice. It arrived safe and sound and is now stuck proudly on my laptop. Very good. Put it over your camera because the <laughs> government uh, likes to look at you. Um, Louise writes, because uh, we were talking about the old uh, episode of uh, The Odd Couple uh, where they played Password. Uh, the Odd Couple Password episode shows two really great comic actors at the top of their game. Uh, I looked up the clip on YouTube just to hear Felix giving Oscar the clue Aristophany. It reminded me of the Cheers episode where Cliff goes on Jeopardy, so I watched that clip too. Uh, the late, great Alex Trebek does a fine job playing himself. Come to think of it, he was on an episode of The X-Files too. The Carmen Hamlet episode is the most uh, memorable Gilligan's Island show for me as well. And I have a couple of other favorite episodes. Uh, the one where Marianne gets conked on the head and thinks she's ginger. Uh, the professor has the other castaways play along so she doesn't get upset, and Ginger is forced to pretend she's Marianne. Oh, man. Uh, that is good sexy fun. It's a fun variation on the old switcheroo plot. Uh, the other episode is when a crate of radioactive seeds washes up on the island. The vegetables the castaways grow from them uh, give them enhanced powers. For instance, Mrs. Howell eats beets, and the sugar gives her extra energy. Marianne eats carrots, which gives her advanced eyesight. Aside from Spider-Man, this was my first exposure to the idea of radioactivity causing mutations. I like to wake up not worrying, so these days I like to listen to an audiobook when I go to bed. I usually fall asleep with a book playing, and the plot sometimes sneaks into my dreams, which is weird, but it's better than lying awake worrying. I need about seven to eight hours of sleep to feel rested. Yeah. Our friend Todd writes... Oh, <laughs> did you have a comment on that, Don? Oh, no. Amount of sleep or... Uh, well... Or That's... beets, eating beets. <laughs> eating beets. Ugh. Nope, go on. All right. Yeah, it sounded like the uh, Gilligan's Island folks were turning into the X-Men there. Um, <laughs> Todd writes, rats. I probably should have listened to last week's podcast before trying to my, my own comic strip band mashups to double check which ones were already taken. Oh, well. That's okay, Todd. Don't worry about that. Um, for years, <laughs> yeah, I started working. Yeah. Dave said some, but don't. Let it go. <laughs> what did I? That's just a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he calls it pulling a Todd. <laughs> For years, 
years, I started work at 6 a.m. Yeah. So even uh, now, I usually wake up, up on my own sometimes between 5 and 6, even on weekend. And regardless of uh, when I went to sleep, my preferred way of going to bed is to read until I doze off. I prefer to get at least eight hours of sleep, but since I'm incapable of sleeping in, it all depends on whether I can fall asleep before 10. Usually, <laughs> um, Chris Roberts writes, sleep can be a creative time. I frequently get woken up with the idea for a song, usually melody, but sometimes lyrics too. I have to then sneak off and record it quietly on my phone before creeping back to bed. Some you're, nights this happens. Your wife must be a deep sleeper. Holy cow. I, uh, yeah, I, I used to, like when I came up with an idea for a song, I would have to go to a payphone and uh, call my answering machine. Again, this is how old I am. But I would <laughs> sing a little song into the payphone and just say, and that's why bacon is nice, and bacon you eat it once or twice, and you never eat it with rice. Oh, bacon, bacon, bacon is nice. That's when I worked for uh, Big Bacon. Anyway, <laughs> back yep. to Chris's. Now you uh, work for Little Bacon. Now I'm uh, just a little bacon is fine. <laughs> yep. Why not have it with wine? Sure. It can be some. Okay. Um, some <laughs> nights, this happens three or four times. I'm just on the point of nodding off when here comes the chorus. Wow. <laughs> yeah, don't bore us. Get to the chorus. In fact, I'm pretty <laughs> sure uh, uh, that's how my Sparks theme song came about a couple of years ago. Oh, that's very, very sweet. I love that uh, song very, very much. Yeah. So much so, I'm going to cough for a second. <clears throat> Excuse me. What, also, what an affectionate cough. Mm -hmm. Also, if I need to beat a deadline, uh, instead of working late into the night when I'm tired, I'll uh, often go to bed and set my alarm to get up a few hours early. As well as letting me rest and get my energy back up, the other benefit is my mind continues working on whatever project is, uh, is, is while I sleep. So uh, when I come back to it the next morning, I have a bunch of fresh ideas to get me started at a good pace. Here's a true story. Okay. I assumed okay. everything else was a goddamn lie. <laughs> One night, a few years ago, I was nicely snuggled in and enjoying that lovely woozy feeling. <laughs> when you're only just awake, starting to drift peacefully, away to a well-deserved deep slumber. For some reason, my wife chose this moment to ask me, completely out of the blue, if you had a superpower, what would it be? <laughs> this unexpected inquiry startled me back into semi-wakefulness. But Morpheus had a hold on me. And all I could say in response was the power to silence others. According to my wife, I then immediately zoned out again and began snoring softly. In the morning, I remembered what I said and thought it was hilarious. But apparently it wasn't. <laughs> I have to tell Chris that I, I laughed long and heartily at that the first time I read it. <laughs> I must be married, too. Uh, I just want to. I just want to speak to uh, Chris. I think it's very good advice. His advice about uh, instead of staying up late, go to bed and get up f fresh in the morning and uh, tackle the project anew. And that's that's great. That's ideally great. But unfortunately, I am such a fumfer that I much prefer to work late into the night because then I am already doing what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm already like sitting down, plugging away at something. Even though I'm exhausted and and you know and unhappy with myself, I'm doing it. But if I if I like went to bed and got up in the morning, there'd be like this incredible amount of time of me like just you know well fumfering around like getting breakfast ready, doing this and that, you know, finally getting outside to get started on something. It just it would just be like a waste of time. It's much it's much better for me to like torment torture myself and and just keep keep going, keep going, Dave. Don't look down. Don't look at the time. Just keep drawing. I would normally work through the night. That's when I like working. 
But uh, since the, you know, uh, COVID and such, uh, I, my schedule is just weird. So I have to go to sleep at night and I don't mm. like, I like, I mean, very late at night, but yeah. still I don't, I don't care for it. Because uh, <laughs> normally I'd like go, oh, I call up a friend who's another late night Nick and just go like, uh, you want to go to a diner or something or go to Denny's and we go to Denny's hash out an idea or something and like we time would mean nothing yeah um but uh nope there's none of that now you can't even pee can't even pee all these poor <laughs> bastards peeing in the alley uh, behind the bed um you had a line of others you had to get up a line of people that was the part you didn't say edward dragansky writes i set my phone alarm to wake me for work and i'll hit the snooze about three times over the span of a half hour by the time i've done that I prepare to wake up, have my coffee, get dressed, and go upstairs for my work at 9 a.m. If it's the weekend of my uh, of my day off, I set no alarm and just wake up when I'm damned good and ready. <laughs> That's right. God help the person who tries to wake up. But don't you I'm find that you just wake bed. up at the same time anyway? Do you, do you did you uh, do you do that? Do you wake up at the same time? I do, but I Dave. I do, but I can. I have the magical ability to just fall back asleep again. Like I could get up, I can get up out of bed, go and feed the dogs, let them out, bring them back in, you know, have a pee and doing all this stuff, and then come back upstairs and just get back into bed and fall asleep again. Who would, uh, who would, uh, when the girls were younger, uh, when the women were girls, and when they were younger, because girls are younger than women. Yes. Who would make uh, breakfast in the morning? Uh, I generally made them breakfast because I would be the one taking them to school because Lisa would be gone by that point. She she'd be off for uh, going to school herself. So at that time, okay. I was, um, when the girls were very young, I, I, that's when I worked as a farrier. So I had a much more flexible schedule than I would do, than I would do now. Nice. I wouldn't be able to do that now, I'll tell you. That was one good part of that a, job. A bag together new forks and spoons for them in the blacksmith's <laughs> shop. That's right. No, it just, you know, it's just I worked by appointment so I could set my time to leave much later. Like, so the girls, I would have the girls to sure. school and stuff like that, come back home, clean up and do a little bit of housework. And then I would head off to, to do a job. No, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was oh, good. It was sense. good that way. I didn't super. I didn't mind the work, but I didn't super like the pressure of the job. But um, I uh, did like the hours that it that it gave me time with the girls. That was very good. But once again, yeah. if I worked late at night, I would get up, give them breakfast, make their lunches, walk them to school, and then come back home and just fall go back to sleep and sleep again. It's a weird. Yeah. It's a weird thing. I think it comes from doing shift work. Like I, I did graveyard shifts when I was at um, late teens into my early twenties. And I think that really like opened up my mind to, to just whatever, whenever you need to sleep, Dave, just close your eyes and I will let you sleep. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it, man. I'm good. If you want to stay up all night, I'm okay with that. If you want to go to bed eight, that's fine too. I don't care. So yeah. It's strange now for me doing the, uh, again, you know, when you have to give pills at random hours and you have to rent, there's a, there's a lot of situations where like I have to wait up at a weird time yeah like uh, if i'm pitching something and it's like uh, we're pitching and it's at seven in the morning i was like okay which which was a lot easier back before uh lived in a house with stairs like a lot of stairs so it's like because yeah i would just like go okay throw myself out of bed slop into the next room and usually it'd just be on the phone you wouldn't have to do video oh lord <laughs> um but now you know you gotta straighten your hair out so you don't look insane but yeah. the biggest thing for me is just going down the stairs because like my judgment is like I'm fine and I'm awake. Then I start walking down the stairs and I'm like, oh no, I'm not. Oh, I'm not quite. Oh, okay, all right. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Because I'm sort of semi sleepwalking until you know things uh, things all connect. Uh, and and yeah, that I have to have something that I do that wakes me up completely. Like I'll uh, I'll I'll go. Okay, I've got to just check something online that'll make me mad. 
okay, let's see what people are saying about this actor. I'm like, oh, that's making me mad. Okay, I'm awake now. Now I can give my cat a pill. <laughs> yeah. If I just have to like stumble bum, I might give him the wrong pill or whatever. I give myself lots of instructions. I set stuff up like, you know, whatever, but it's just, it's just hard. I'm not good with that. Um, <laughs> going to bed is a different story. I'm back now to Edward. Uh, I'm a dedicated night owl. Uh, creeping out of the house like an old ghost all hours of the night with my animals. My wife will watch uh, TV in the bedroom until about 2 a.m. While I'm upstairs on my computer or the sofa uh, catching up with shows, it's all choreographed and ritualistic. Almost every night is the same. When I'm tired, I go to bed. Sometimes as late or early as 5.30 a.m. That sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> I seem to get by on a few hours of sleep, and in some cases I'll take a late evening nap just to sustain my body for a few late nights. My wife says I sleep in shifts, and she's fine with this, since so she gets the bed to herself for most of the night. Good deal. <laughs> I, figure, I figure my body has a meter like a character in a video game, so I usually use the weekends to catch up on sleep, and I'll do fine uh, that way. Okay, well, in that, in that case, if you start feeling ill, just lean behind a, a short wall, and you will heal up completely. That's what I found to do. Um, I'm pretty sure it's not the healthiest way to treat myself. But I've been this way uh, most of my life. As a child, I had a serious bedwetting problem, so bad that I had to see a physician who said, stop wetting my bed. I know that was a weird thing. <laughs> anyway, so I'm sorry. It is a serious, serious thing, actually. Uh, I was prescribed a medication that kept me from falling into a deep sleep, so I'd wake up easily when I had the urge to go to the bathroom. Years later, it was discovered that this medication was not the proper way to handle the problem and could possibly cause a sleeping disorder. After years of the medication, I had surgery on my bladder that was very painful, but it solved the problem after many years of wetting the bed. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Um, by the way, let me say, there's a, a very good book um, by Sarah Silverman talking about her journey with bedwetting called Bedwetter. And uh, I would recommend it if, you know, you kind of like Sarah Silverman. Maybe you don't. If you do, eh, it's a book you might like. Um, I have to say I was watching Gilligan's Island years before I was a Star Trek fan but I enjoyed all the syndicated sitcoms of the time. F-Troop, Brady Bunch, The Addams Family, I Love Lucy, Bewitched, Get Smart, and The Dick Van Dyke Show, to name a few. What I really liked about Gilligan's Island was it was scored by a young Johnny Williams in the 60s. Really? So huh? I was a fan of before Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Superman. I did not know that. That is good trivia. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Dave, please tell me you took the time to watch the episode of I Love Lucy, the guest starred Harpo on the show. It was uh, right in line with the episodes of Lucy in Hollywood, the guest starred William Holden, John Wayne, Eve Arden, and others. They even colorized it recently, so you could see how much Harpo's red wig matched Lucy's. That is a good episode. I will agree with that. Dave, have you seen that episode? Uh, no. I have watched the mirror part of it. Okay. The reenactment All of right. the mirror scene. That's, that's the one where they do the reenactment of the mirror scene, right? Well, I think Edward is saying you should watch it. So, you know, take that, as, take that with all the grains of salt you want. Okay. Later on down the road, I was a serious Cheers fan. I can even remember watching the very first episode with my dad, who grew up working in my grandparents' tavern. That became our show to watch together, along with reruns of All in the Family. I remember watching the first Cheers as well, because they really pushed it as like, this is the next great sitcom. You have, I believe the ads were... Uh, two beer mugs were coming together, and they break when they when they hit each other. And it was like, you know, the next great sitcom. I'm like, oh well, they really have some confidence here. I've never seen a sitcom <laughs> advertised with it's going to be great. But you know, I guess they they were fine. They were right. 
One last sitcom-based question. Are you guys an Adams Family fan or a Munsters fan? Uh, I went with Adams Family all the way. Something about John Aston's Gomez used to remind me of Groucho, cigar and all. I'll get to the end of this. Talk about it. Then I found out that Nat Perrin, a writer on several Marx Brothers films, became a producer and head writer for the Adams Family. I also thought Morticia was sexier than Lily. I hear Tim Burton is looking to do a, stre a streaming TV reboot of the Adams Family. You should ask Aston to guest star as an old relative at his ripe old age of 90. Dave, Adams Family fan or Munsters fan? Oh, Adams Family all the way. I was a Munsters fan as a kid. Um, I'd probably be an Adams Family uh, fan now. And Edward, I am uh, friends with um, uh, a woman named Ellie Harvey, who played Morticia in a redo of The Adams Family called The New Adams Family. And John Astin did play exactly what you're saying, uh, the uh, the grandpa, uh, and uh, as an older as an older fella, and and did a really great job. It was a two part episode, and I think it was the best episode that they did. The show was a little and our friend uh, Mike Michael uh, Roberts, uh, sadly who's passed away, but did uh, a couple of episodes of our show here, uh, was uh, Uncle Fester on mm -hmm. uh, on the New Adams Family as well. So, yes. uh, so a, there you go. A rule of a lifetime for him. He loved uh, he loved Uncle Fester. So he he did a great. Okay, let's, everyone who's on the show did a great job with the roles they. they yeah, had. yeah. Uh, I would say if there was any flaw to the show, it was a little uh, vanilla. One, why, do you, why do you need it? Yeah, this thing. One. Um, but uh, it was the scripts, and they were using old scripts, and uh, they had to do an infinite amount of episodes in a very short period of time. But yes. uh, the yes. actors were all very gung ho. Uh, though I would say, like, if you did want to just watch two episodes, I would watch the episodes with John Aston uh, guest starring. There you go. So that'd be and nice. the one featuring Harpo Marx. So yeah, yeah, I was, um, I was, yeah. Carolyn Jones is much sexier. You know, to be honest with you, I, I think as a kid I tried to watch the Munsters, but I just found it boring and didn't watch it. And then uh, later I like on, that. Al Lewis, Al Lewis. Later on, I, I, you know, they were running. Uh, reruns of Adam's Family, I think on CBC in the, in the evening, afternoon and and I was uh, smitten, smitten with it I tell you and if you want to see Carolyn Jones and something else, she is in a Frank Capra film with Frank Sinatra um, what is it called now? it's one of his later ones I don't think it's called High Hopes but that's where the song High Hopes comes from that movie you know what about the rubber oh, tree okay. that moving the rubber tree plant okay. yeah uh, but she plays his kind of uh, long-suffering girlfriend, Frank Sinatra's long-suffering girlfriend. He's this guy in Miami Beach who's trying to, you know, kind of create a become a become wealthy through like re developing a hotel or something like that. And and his brother, he's worried about his brother coming. And his brother's played by um, Edward G. Robinson. And it's quite is, is it's quite a, a good movie. Is this a hole in the head you're talking? Yes, about? that's the one. Yes, thank you. Yes. Okay. Yeah, really, really good movie. Well, that's not what I say really good, but it's quite good. It's a one of the later Frank Capra ones. He was not, he wasn't really on his game the way he was in the '30s, '40s, but still, still, uh, still good. But uh, yeah, it's enjoyable. But Carolyn Jones is a very uh, yes. Yeah. Now, do we have any letter letters? Why we letters? do have some email letter letter letters. In fact, we got one from our friend Kanan Grolf, all the way from Calgary, Alberta. Hooray! I mean, really, he could have just walked it over and dropped it off, but just kidding. It's, yeah. a, it's a few thousand miles away. <laughs> I'm just joking. His, the subject is comic band madness. Madness! 
with three exclamation marks. He says madness twice. He says, hey, fellas, dudes, mites, got my bumper sticker, which we will which we will absolutely be sticking on our car. Probably oh. not on the bumper, maybe a bit oh. higher up, so it's not oh. drowned in sand from the snowy roads of Calgary. Oh. <laughs> What's wrong? I'm just, I'm just trying to play along. <laughs> Thank you. Even my wife says it needs to go on the car, though she doesn't oh. listen to the podcast, or any podcast, but I always tell her about Sneaky Dragon. I don't retell jokes. Who could do them justice? Who indeed? Not even us. Not even we can do them justice. Just interesting factoids I learned from the podcast. So I hope to the devil you're always right. <laughs> anyway, I sat down and gave your comic strip music mashup game a go. Maybe too much of a go, as you soon shall see. Here we go. Starting with some rule breakers. Okay, so these are four uh, that are very loosely based around a band's name. So we got Doonesbury's Child. <laughs> which I assume is, so assume is Destiny's Child. Pearls yeah. Before Iron and Swine, which is Pearls Before Swine with Iron and Wine. Calvin, Excess, and Hobbs. And this is one I don't know. Oh, I get it. Monsters and Men. Of Monsters and Moo Men. Get it? There you go. These are a stretch. So, those, nope. Yeah. That's the rule breakers. Got, now okay, we got. I was going to say, if we're rule breaking, then I'd go with like, Pearls Before a Swine Jam. <laughs> swine Jam? Oh, yeah, well, okay. No, yeah. yeah, 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 gotcha. Okay, then the next ones are, these are a stretch, he says. So we have okay. J. Zit, Wizard of <laughs> Edel, Dilbertha Kit, Fats Dominon Sequitur, and XKCDREM. Oh, my God. And then we got a list. This is bringing it home. Bringing it home. You ready? Hagar the Horrible Diddly. I like it. Metella Kelvin and Hobbes. Panic at the Disc called the Sack. Lady Gagasoline Alley, which that's my favorite. Natalie Imbrugli Archie. First Aid Kits and Jammer Kids. <laughs> Neutral Milk Coteli Oop. Moominterpol. Flash Gordon Henley. Little Nemo in Slumberlan Slumber Morissette. Ooh, that's a hard one. And finally, Dilbjork. <laughs> that's all, folks. Apologies for any of those, but not really. Kanan, thanks again for the sticker. And then he wrote one more time. And he said... Oh, and Franz Ferdinandsi. That is all. <laughs> Apologies if I stepped on anyone else's. I couldn't remember them all, Kanan. Thank you very much, Kanan. That was really great. Thank you for thank you for your fantastic effort. I like it. I love it, in fact. I like that he sat down and obviously spent a lot of time. You have earned a bumper sticker, sir. Please stick it on your car. There you go. You don't, people, you don't, I just call it a bumper sticker because it's the size of a bumper sticker. I am not expecting you to put it on your car, but if you do, that's really great. And if you wouldn't mind sending me a picture of it on your car, that would be even greater. Kanan. So yeah, uh, that's cool. That is really cool. And we got, we got actually, we did get a message from Jake Schutz. And I want to apologize to Jake because I added an L to his name. When it wasn't there, and I somehow added it. I apologize for that. But he just wrote to say, I just got my sticker today. Thanks. So I like, I just want to reiterate that I do like that people have been writing to let me know that they got their uh, stickers because then I stop worrying. So thank you for that. And, by the way, still looking for addresses from <laughs> Gavin, Gavin Pitts, Ben V, Dale Blindheim. And when I was looking at something, I realized, I was looking at my list of names. I realized that we had two Matt Smiths. We have Matthew Sanborn Smith, 
But we also had Matt Smith who wrote and asked a question or a couple of questions. Oh so Matt Smith, please send me your your uh, address. Email it to sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. That's our email address. You can write to that and uh, you will contact us in a secret and, and uh, private way that you know, you're not revealing your address to everyone, just to me, and that's bad enough. And I will send you a bumper sticker. You also, if you choose, can go to our comment section. We will tell you our show's questions in a second. And if you want to answer those questions, if you go to uh, sneakydragon.com, you will find our show there with a place for questions. We are on Facebook at Sneaky Dragon. We're also on Twitter at Sneaky underscore Dragon. We have a Patreon page, and you can go there and support the show if you so wish. We do appreciate all those who do that. We think very highly of you and we also have a tumblr page still tumblr Ugh, we got rid of our live journal page i guess that's that's <laughs> over with but what our, our, <laughs> our myspace page is also no longer extant so yeah so what are our questions of the day ian well we've got uh, uh have you ever found a cartoon character attractive <laughs> okay. we, got to, we got we got that one all right okay i have one more okay. then i have one more then sure. uh tell us let us know a stand-up comic that you liked as a kid. Yeah, that sounds good. I like that. I'm all for. I'm all for that. Uh, I would also like to say uh, thanks to people who have been asking for our uh, Sparks book plates. Mm, um, yeah. Uh, Dave is the colorist on a book called Sparks that I write, and our friend Nina Matsumoto, whose birthday is coming up, meaning I might see her, see her soon. Uh, see her. Uh, does and uh, the original book was called Sparks, and the, the book that is out now, both are still out. Like the book that just came out is Sparks Double Dog Dare. Uh, we can't do signings as we would want to do. So instead, what we're doing is this. We're saying like, uh, hey, if you just write us with your address, we will send you a book plate for your book that you can put in your book. And, and it's got all of our signatures on there. It's a nice little design that uh, Nina did up. And uh, as Dave mentioned earlier, the way to uh, do contact us by email is sneakyd at sneakydragon.com, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. And uh, if you just write us with your address, we will send one to you. That's how that works. It is that simple. And you can get the books from your local bookstore. Uh, I also have another book out, um, just came out, called Exorcisters, Volume 2, Kick of the Darkness. Uh, uh, that is my uh, image comics book, uh, the first volume is as well. Uh, out and so yeah if you feel like uh, getting those why not reading's <laughs> nice and comics are fun that's great and maybe you'll find yourself attracted to one of the characters sure hopefully not in the book that's cats and dogs <laughs> well i don't know that uh one that's cat squirrel. yeah i was thinking more of the polydactyl cat <laughs> okay a real cutie All right. real cutie well whatever you're whatever you're into <laughs> is whatever you're into <laughs> I'm not one to judge. Incredibly attracted to thumbs. That's, uh, <laughs> yes. Well, you know, Dave, I think this brings us to the end of another uh, step in our journey. <laughs> it was too much revealed. <laughs> okay, I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it's all in fun. So... I'm a little, I'm a little giddy with lack of sleep, so maybe I am saying a bit too much. <laughs> That's all right that's great so everyone thank you for joining us on this week's episode of sneaky dragon please take care of yourself uh congratulations america and we will see you again next week stay healthy bye